Hello everyone and welcome to Grief Burrito, if this is your first time joining us. My name is Haz and we cover games, we cover movies, animation and amazing creative projects. And today I am joined by the awesome Kennedy Phillips, who you may know as the sound designer from Hasman Hotel, Hell of a Boss and Magus Elgar. And today he's brought along his cast of characters. We have Cordell, we have Joanna Christina and we have Michael Kovac, who we're going to be asking plenty of questions from you guys on Reddit and we're going to be getting into what it's like to create characters and develop yourself as a voice actor. So you may find a lot of interesting information in this episode, and I really hope you do. So enjoy the episode, and if you've got any comments, let me know what you thought, and I'll try and get them to the cast. Let's go. Can I just ask you, you guys all as a like voice artists? I did just want to ask your opinion on the latest Mario casting. Um, oh boy! Yeah, because <laughs> the internet's been on fire the past few days, and I found it very interesting. So, what do you guys think of it? I'm personally really curious. <laughs> I just, Same. I just really want to watch it to see how they do. Yeah, like, Bowser's gonna be good. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's uh, there's been a meme going around on Twitter. It's like the SpongeBob thing, where like he's telling everybody to get away, but he's like, no, you stay. And people just put Jack's yeah. <laughs> face on the clown. Oh yeah, I love that meme. <laughs> Honestly, like the the what I what I've kind of come to observe about this is that when it comes to the uh, when it comes to Illumination, they always pick like the the trendiest, most um, au courant. Uh, casting choices for their characters in their cartoons because they 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 know that they're just poking on the the marketing side of it because like they had Benedict Cumberbatch plays the Grinch. Yeah, but I I am yeah. taking I'm taking a moment to to grieve slightly because Illumination had a relationship with Danny DeVito in the Lorax, and they yeah. could have taken that opportunity here and it would have been perfect. I would like Actually. to see him as Wario personally. I think Danny DeVito as Wario would be great. That would be great. Also, the, thing, the thing that bothers me about Illumination's Grinch is you have Benedict Cumberbatch playing the Grinch, which makes perfect sense. But then you have him do an American accent. He just yeah. loses all gravitas. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I found a lot of it strange. I, like you said about Jack Black, I think he's going to be great as Bowser. Do you think he'll lower his voice or do you think he'll do... Like the say, I guess the same with um, what's his name doing Mario. I presume that he I'll, will. I'll do be a perfectly voice. honest with you. Uh, from from what I know about Illumination's acting director, he's going to walk into that studio and they're going to do the same thing that they do to every Jack Black performance. Oh, you know what? We've got a really great idea for you. We want you to just Jack Black. Just be you. Yeah. <laughs> just just Jack Black at this. <laughs> they do so that every worry. time because that's uh, one that's one thing that i really like about tim schaefer uh when he casts when he casts jack black to work on his stuff jack yeah. black is allowed to do other voices and have fun with it mm-hmm. um because he he played as uh eddie riggs in uh brutal legend and then has been circling tim schaefer's field with uh, broken age and psychonauts 2 ever since Right, okay. Is he inside? And they always let too? him do other voices and he has a blast doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I I I know he's gonna be great and I know I'm gonna enjoy it either way. I just I'm just really like like you said, uh Joel, I'm really curious as to where they're gonna go with it. Like with with Mario and Luigi, are they 
are they just going to do away with the Italian accents? I, I, I know I'm that the accents are, are very a bit of babba da boopy, aren't they? Like they're very like stereotypical strong Italian accents. Um, so are they just going to make them straight, plain, like American accents? I'm, you know. I would, I would adore if they forced Chris Pratt to do an Italian accent for the whole movie. That would be I, I kind of want them I mean, to do it. I mean, to say that like Chris Pratt's a bad voice actor. He's perfectly shown that he's capable. Like yeah, he, was in, he, was, he was in the Lego movie. He was in the Lego movie and he was fine there. But like, yeah, it's yeah, also sure. that like, I, I, there were better choices that were, yeah. that were trendy choices, but still fun. Did you yeah. Guys yeah. See Chris Pratt's uh, Instagram story where he talked about voicing Mario. No, no. no. Chris Pratt did an Instagram story where he said, um, you know, that it was his dream as a child to like play Mario or something. And he he says really? like, it's a me, a Mario. He's like, that's not the voice you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness. It was so silly. I guess I'll you... just be the asshole in the back that hadn't started yet. <laughs> that's okay. I've, I've got your stuff. I've got a backup. Don't you worry, Kennedy. Um, there was some. That, don't you think it's weird that they didn't use Charles Martinet as Mario, even though they've, they've got him in the in the film? Apparently, haven't they? To they okay, absolutely so, um, Hollywood cast is the thing. Cottle actually made up a made a very good point about it in that mm -hmm. for a long form movie, that voice could get a little bit difficult to understand as time goes on. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I thought yeah, if it was him, they were going to play either. it down. Yeah. I have I heard, understand we have heard Charles him. Martinet do like long form speaking, but yeah, like as far as a full length feature film, it could get a little grating. I, I can yeah. understand that. Yeah. And like you've got a lot of people with like hearing issues. Uh, a lot of people who are English might be their second language, so you want like mm -hmm. a very clear sort of voice. And I think Martinet could do it if pressed, uh, but I can see from a studio standpoint of wanting to get someone else in to do it and having him just do like cameo sounds so the fans are happy. Yeah, yeah. which um, that's what they're planning yeah. on doing. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good, that'd be good. I mean, I, I, I would be offended if they did a, if if they had, again, if they had Danny DeVito doing a Bob Hoskins impression. <laughs> yeah, nice. that would be great. <laughs> that'd be great. I Like we've said before on our show that Bob Hoskins isn't terrible in that movie. The movie itself is like, this is this is kind of weird, but Bob Hoskins is actually giving it his all, even though he's pretty drunk through the entire film. Yeah, I mean, he's always he's always like Bob Hoskins always like put in his all, regardless of what he was working mm -hmm. on. Because I, I think it was because of his time working on Who Framed Roger Rabbit that he just kind of embraced the madness of his career. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie as well. Like I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's such a good film. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've watched it so many times this year to simply get by. <laughs> really? Just to get you through the lockdowns? <laughs> I mean, you can't be mad watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit because like Richard no. Williams has no chill on his no. animation. It's such a fun film. <laughs> Absolutely. At every opportunity, they just take every every single chance to make it slightly harder for themselves and it shows out in the whole film. It's a delight. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time. I always just remember, remember having like my mind blown by it as a, as a kid, you know, like seeing... It's, it's those weird bullets that he has that always blew my mind when they're like flying around. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. it was really cool. There's another little case and lines them up. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's kind of crazy how so few films attempt were able to successfully uh, rekindle that kind of style of film where it's like uh, cartoons and, and live action working in the same space. Like they did, they did it once or twice, like with uh, Looney Tunes back in action and the like, but... Knowing the process it, it's never they been used, the same. Knowing mm. the process they used for Roger Rabbit, 
Like, I can't imagine just how they had the patience to do what they did because they had to do yeah. so much, so much prep and so much work to make it oh, even remotely absolutely. look good. It's I, uh, uh, yeah. I picked up uh, the animator survival kit, uh, Richard Williams' book on mm -hmm. the subject, and I think it really is down to uh, his drive and his insane <laughs> determination <laughs> to imitate life in animation. Uh, like it's it's really a lightning in a bottle situation where you've got the perfect man for the job, the perfect project for him, mm -hmm. and Bob Hoskins just <laughs> adding heart to the whole thing. It's delightful. Oh yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, I should probably just say, uh, welcome to episode 123. Anyone who's listening into this crazy cold open going into about Mario and animation and stuff. Um, <laughs> welcome everyone, all of you. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Kovacs, Mr. Na Hello. Mrs. Knives. Can I call you Knives? Can we just go with Knives? That's okay, yes. <laughs> Sweet, let's go with Knives. Uh, thank you, Kennedy, for coming back to tell us all about your show that we're going to get into later on. And obviously, it's thank you for joining us, Cordell. As always. <laughs> Your thunderous voice is always a pleasure to hear in my headphones. Kennedy. Oh, <laughs> honestly, I feel like Kovacs does. Uh, I feel I feel like Michael over here does it much deeper than I do. It's more of just oh, my, I couldn't my, right now. My voice is not warmed up. <laughs> really? my, my early morning <laughs> voice is not when it's not warmed up. Comes off as like very very deep, very uh, house MD esque, if you will. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like raises it raises the, the medication pitch. out there. I mean, they'll probably die, but you know, I'll get an award. Yeah. <laughs> so on on this episode, the the main concept that I'm thinking of covering for any listeners wondering is going to be all about voice acting, all about character creation. We're going to be getting into some of our game inspirations, maybe some of your guys' characters, which might be cool. Uh, we're going to be talking about Kennedy's new show, Clutch, a Cobalt story. I'm very excited to hear about that, which is obviously starring all of our wonderful guests. And at the end, we've got some questions from Reddit for you guys, all about voice acting, if that's okay with you guys. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Amazing. So I want to start with maybe creating characters and the process that you guys might have for creating the ones that you have so far, or maybe um, ideas for going forward of how you run into creating your characters. So maybe let's start with Kennedy, as obviously you're writing the characters for your new show. Do you usually have some sort of voice type in mind when you write your characters? Um, in a lot of cases, I actually don't. Um, oh, okay. There are times when I've had to, when I've come up with some characters for mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, typically when I'm driving, I'll like practice voices myself in the car. Very cool. Uh, because it's, it's a private space and I, I don't have other people staring at me strange because the walls in my house are fairly thin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's when you say you drive a convertible on, on and everyone's like. occasions I have garnered concern from my roommates about the voices that I'm trying to stretch into, uh, <laughs> not least of which my cat, who has come in expressing concern. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm coming up with uh, characters, usually I have recently been exposed to a character or a person that I've met in real life who has so many dynamics to their personality and I want to say what if I what if I take little pieces of that personality and stretch it here compress it here and and make a exaggerated version of it uh, case in point um, my first audio show Magus Elgar uh, the main character Magus mm -hmm. Elgar he's this excitable child who uh, who wants to uh, show off all the magic to anyone and everyone he can get his hands on and mm -hmm. doesn't really pay attention to anything around him. And 
I took my own aspect of my personality that, that wants to show people things and show videos and show like projects I'm working on and other things I'm doing and just pushed that to its logical extreme within reason of it being on the, the right end of the de balancing on the right end between tolerable and incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, he comes across great in the show. Like you know that I, I really like Mega Selgar. Um, so, did you bring any of those characters into the new show as well? Are, are you moving anything? Is there any like connection between the characters from the the new and the old show? Um, what I wanted to do with this project was I wanted to take all of the uh, the universe and the lore building that I had been doing for Megas Elgar and bring mm -hmm. it into this universe without people having to feel like they need to watch Megas Elgar to enjoy it. Um, okay. So the characters are completely original, uh, completely new, and it even takes place in a time period further in the past before like the whole science magic thing comes up. Um, oh, okay. That way we can just focus on having fun with these characters in a much more contained, mm -hmm. much smaller story. And when I, when I was building right. a lot of these characters, um, a, a, lot, a, a few of them were based off of uh, qualities from uh, my roommates who were playing an all-Cobalt campaign, in addition to... Um, as I was uh, as I was building the cast, I ended up running into uh, 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 Caudle over here mm -hmm. and found his uh, 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 robust uh, YouTube channel. And I was so enamored <laughs> by one of his characters that I basically just wrote a legally distinct version of him in the show, approached him <laughs> and say, "I want you to voice this guy. Is that okay?" <laughs> and I'm like, I, I need a headshot for the for the show. He shows me his headshot. I'm like, wow, you look exactly like the person I thought you would look like. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty much exactly what it says on the tin. Amazing, well, a very that's good flowery tin. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was it like for you, Connor, when when Kennedy came to you with this character? What 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 was your thoughts on it? Ah, oh, well, for starters, I have the self-esteem of an abandoned rusty nickel. So oh. <laughs> I was quite surprised, <laughs> for starters. Uh, but I was quite pleased because we've worked together on a couple of projects and we always have a uh, fair amount of fun. I ended up in California mm -hmm. for a bit in June because uh, we'd never met in person. Uh, and it was to visit another friend, but I mentioned that I was in California and Kennedy's like, uh, we, we have to meet up. And I'm like, you'll have to drive like 40 minutes. And I'm like, and he's like, yeah, okay, done. <laughs> so so, so uh, we so we met up and I found out that Kennedy's really, really, really good at DDR, you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, skills. so good at DDR. Yeah, yes. I was, <laughs> I'm and here I thought you were going to get into detail about like, our first thing he did was drag me to an, an antique store and it was the most... <laughs> appropriate <laughs> thing for me ever. Yeah. <laughs> I love antique stores. You bought me a teacup that I'm drinking tea out of right now. Look at that. That's great. <laughs> See? Antique shops are great. Yeah. You find all sorts of crazy stuff in there. Oh, they're fantastic. I adore uh, I adore little anachronistic things because I uh, I'm probably a hipster, but I'll never admit it. Uh, but I, <laughs> I enjoy little things like that, but it was a joy uh, to, to uh, be asked to be in the show because like, I've listened to Magus Elgar mm -hmm. And uh, Kennedy's other works, and uh, he, he always does such uh, like that uh, that thing I said about Richard Williams about like challenging uh, himself to do things when he really doesn't have to. 
uh, that, that's that's Kennedy projects all over because I, I also work in audio production, but okay. like my stuff tends to be a bit bare bones. Like I always uh, I said that the stuff I make is like uh, is like a nice plate of cookies with a cup of tea. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, the things that uh, Kennedy makes is, are like uh, a nice dinner that's been prepared with like a spice you don't buy often, <laughs> like a banquet. Really good day. <laughs> you got to sit down and appreciate. The Atmos, <laughs> like uh, so, you know, being asked to be in uh, something of that quality is very, very cool. Yeah, I bet. Really especially when he bases a character on you, pretty much. So, oh, absolutely, and I think <laughs> really good job. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, Kennedy, did you I just mean, like, like let him uh, free? Did you just give him free reign to just be like a little dragon boy and run around? <laughs> no, I do have notes on on things that I'm trying to accomplish with this character. Okay, okay. We, uh, I've actually been working with like two other writers who helped are helping me with uh, Megas Elgar season two. Oh. Uh, we we actually sat down and like we broke down everybody's arcs in the series. Ooh. Very. Cool. So we have like a direction on where he's going to go and what he's going to do. And I what I'm what I'm really uh, proud about is that. Um, the the story does not quite go in the direction that you would expect a show like this to go in. Okay, um, intrigued. Simply because of just how 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 silly the nature of Magus Elgar is that mm -hmm. uh, things always seem to be very clearly going in one direction, and then like at the last minute mm -hmm. we're like we're just gonna pivot ever so slightly. <laughs> just oh fuck, just like go the other way. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> is this gonna be? Is it? Is it a darker show then? Is it like because you is the comedy? No, it is not a darker show. Okay. Like uh, it, it is actually a much lighter show. Okay. Okay. When I when I mean it goes in a different direction, I mean um, one of the problems that I have in my group of uh, friends is that they have a uncanny ability which uh, we call plot foo. Plot <laughs> okay. foo is the ability for you to watch Star Wars Episode Four. Uh, look at Luke Skywalker, look at Darth Vader and go, that's his dad. You just know. You can feel it. <laughs> you just know. It's just it, like you you have like this such an experience with like stories and mm -hmm. storytelling that you'd like see all the pieces and calculus your way into finding where the conclusion is going to be. And it drives me nuts oh. because one of my friends yeah. has the best mm -hmm. plot foo who is one of my writers. So I make a challenge of myself to go in, in, in directions that, that they can't predict, but is okay. still appropriate for the story. That's very good. That's like some mental gymnastics jumping through hoops trying to get around a puzzle. You like building a puzzle as you're going then. A little bit, yeah. Hmm, but like I, okay. I, I always end up going like, I always end up overthinking the projects that I'm working on. If it's any, uh, if I, I can attest, when I first met uh, Michael uh, on the uh, production of Hasbin Hotel, we actually got to meet up at a uh, film festival screening of Hasbin that that Viv made, uh, Vivian Medrano, the creator, had made for all the the actors and and uh, production staff. Yeah. yeah, that was my first time and ever meeting you, I think, and uh, I was a little intimidated. You, uh, really? you seemed a lot more serious than I expected. Uh, but as I got to know you, you're very goofy. <laughs> I, like honestly, the big the the thing was is like when I first met him, I was in this environment of like all these like incredibly right talented of like doing connect, making connections mm -hmm. and stuff too. Exactly. We we sat by this fireplace and I just vomited ex, uh, uh, explanations about mm -hmm. sound design at Michael. 
uh, for like 20 to 30 minutes and he kind of stared back at me like both perplexed, fascinated, and probably a little concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I understand a little bit of this. I understand maybe 20% of what you're saying to me. <laughs> but uh, no, like you, it was a wonderful time and um, it was it was very fun. Um, I'm honestly glad that we all got to do that together because um, I feel like it helped us all connect a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely made me see you a lot more as a friend. And uh, you are, I, I appreciate that. Aww. That's really nice. Aww. Aww. Yeah. That's so cute. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mike, when did uh, Kennedy approach you for the role in, in, in this current show? Um, it was actually a few weeks ago. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> um, yep. there, there was another voice actor that was associated. If you want to talk about that at all, Kennedy. Um, I yeah, was... um, so when I first, when I first uh, did my, uh, I was building, when I first started working on Clutch, A Cobalt Story, I wanted to pitch this to the BBC. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned and to me, didn't you? I, I, I gave myself a budget of like a couple hundred dollars to... Mm-hmm run a casting call on castingcall.club, which is actually how I met the lovely knives here. Mm, uh, yeah. Senior profile. Who, uh, really made it difficult for me to choose who I wanted to pl- uh, pick for my roles. But once I once I heard her voice for, for Nam, I was just like, she's she's, per- she's amazing. She's too perfect. I, I, had, I, I ran into somebody else who was like the, the, the second runner up who was like, so adorable in her voice that it was actually a detriment to the character. Really? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I need somebody who's like willing to, who who can definitely do this, but also like get like really excited and, and have fun and stuff like that. Cause she could only do like the very, 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 very like tooth rotting sweet voice. But uh, Joanna really knocked it out of the park. Um, one of the other people that I had, uh, um, he went by, by Husky Commander online. He was, he was like phenomenal and I loved, uh, the energy that he presented. Um, but when we got to the point where I wanted to do the casting and get everybody together in studio, Mm -hmm. um, we ran into a, uh, regrettable conflict and that was, he lives in the Philippines. Oh. Oh. Yeah, and if I wanted to do yeah. the recordings in person in in the studio, um, I would have had to file out a bunch of paperwork, get a work visa, get a, like an inspector to look over like every <laughs> thing that he's ever done in his life. Because in America, we apparently are very strict about our immigration requirements, especially if they're coming over to work for a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not like the easiest time to travel so, borders right now either, is it? <laughs> Yeah, so like I, I I told him like look I I would love to have you be on this role but mm-hmm. I I can't so I'm gonna be having him do smaller roles throughout the show because uh, he's he he is wicked talented and, and oh, deserves every second of it and yeah. I said all right I want to find somebody who would if I'm going to find somebody else I am going to find someone that is absolutely worth the replacement. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I walked over to Mike and said, do you want to voice a kobold? And he's like, I, I, sure, I'm, why not? Go for it. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> Very cool. Happily ever after. Yeah. Uh, Joanna, like, where where did you get your start with voice acting? Because I, I have actually been through your, your profile and listened to um, your reel and everything. And it's very, very diverse. It's 
really, really good. So where did you start? Oh, thank you. So, <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I basically started in a place called Quarantine, ah, okay. <laughs> and I've been wanting to um, get into voice over voice acting, just anything regarding voice work at all, mm -hmm. um, for like a few years now, actually. But um, yeah, Quarantine, I think, really, in a weird way, like motivated us to, motivated a lot of people to like actually get into some sort of at-home kind of work. And so for that, um, for me, it was voice acting. So I'm really glad that even though it was like a really rough time for me, mm -hmm. voice acting was like the thing that got me going. So I'm really, really grateful for it because I've been able to, you know, have the pleasure of working with several people and mm -hmm. different kinds of projects as well. So I'm just really, really grateful for it. And I'm like, super stoked to be here and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, like I said, you're doing great. And I'm, you're on a great show. You're in great hands of Kennedy, I, I'm, I am sure. Um, where do you like, I, I don't even, like starting in, in, in lockdown is quite a thing. And to have a reel like yours, have you not done any like other acting before? Because it's quite like, it's very good. I'm surprised to hear you say oh, that you've just started. Yeah. You. I'm going to throw myself in the fire and say I've never had, like, actual, like, legitimate training before. Um, oh, I've, okay. I've, like, talked to several people in the community. And if you, could, if you guys could find, like, a solid, supportive community, like, that is, that is where it is. Mm -hmm. That is where exactly, it's exactly where you want to be. You know, you have all your questions answered and like everyone's just like super chill and like so willing to help you. And that's basically my experience in it. So, you know, we're able to do, I'm so nervous about this kind of stuff, but like <laughs> improv is like really helpful. Um, mm -hmm. Like getting out of my comfort zone in like a safe space. I really got to do that more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's that. And then there's like script readings and just, you know, um, work, was it workshops, workouts and stuff. So you get like immediate feedback from the community and it's, it's really, really good. So that's kind of like my training. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I've watched like tons of, you know, <laughs> webinars from voices, mm -hmm. um, wherever I can find them. So just tons of free resources as much as I can. <laughs> Great, right, nice. That's part of the reason why I wanted to get all of these, get these three together in the same room. Yeah. Is uh, there is a lot of merit to um, improv voice acting, mm -hmm. where so, some of the best lines that I've ended up hearing in a recording studio have been just two people riff, riff, riffing off of one another. Yeah, and that's a, it's, some... it, it brings a great energy to the production. Yeah, it does. That's something that I was chatting with uh, Karen Travis, the writer, two weeks ago, I think it was. Uh, she wrote Gears of War. She wrote all the Halo books. She's done absolutely loads. Um, and she worked <laughs> on Gears of War 3, and they actually brought in some of her characters from the books into the game itself. And she was saying that, um, is it Fred Traskas? I can never pronounce his name. What's his name? Fred Tatascore. Yeah, that's Fred the one. Tatascore. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, he was. Amazing. He's so good, so incredibly talented. And she was saying a lot of the times, like he would reel off into a scene in the character as Baird. If anyone doesn't know anyone watching, he, he plays uh, the Baird character. And most of the time, she would go, "Okay, let's forget the script. Let's go with what he's just done." Like he was just on it, like living the character entirely. And 
that's something that me and like my, my co-host Jordan have mentioned a lot. Like we laugh about committing to the bit or committing to something that you're going to try. Um, like Cordell, I'm going to put this to you actually because we're going to go straight over to you. I'm uh -huh. looking at your little your little box flashing at me. Like, do you get scared committing to a character the first time that you do it? Like, to, that someone's just going to go, okay, that is, that's no, that's not right. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, I am a bundle of second guesses <laughs> and half-hearted attempts walking around in a button-up shirt. Nice. Uh, nine times out of ten. Uh, so what happened to me more often than not is I, uh, I tend to do a lot of improv, actually, for my own work. Because... Okay. Um, uh, about three years ago, I shifted uh, to doing things like this as my main job. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you do more improv, you can get a higher production rate because that takes a lot of scripting out of it. Yeah. So I have, yeah. To make, <laughs> yeah, I have to make more in a shorter amount of time to like, you know, pay my rent and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I find one of the helpful things about improv as well is you haven't got as much time to second guess. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. generally, what I, generally what I will do with my own productions is I'll have a bullet-pointed list of things I want to hit and lines I want to hit, and then I will fill in the boxes in between uh, with improv. And you get a very naturalistic sort of, uh, sort of sound that way. And then it's like, oh, well, I can't go back and, and redo that. I didn't write it down, so I'll just <laughs> print it as done. I do a couple takes, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but each one's a little bit different. It's kind of uh, the snowflake method. Okay, okay. Because, <laughs> like, uh, each one is slightly different than the last or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I find generally the best thing about, uh, the best thing to do if you're a very self-conscious person is to just pull the trigger, put it out there. Because uh, if, I, if I just listened to all of my self-doubts, I would have never published anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I put go. it out and then people say, oh, this is neat. And I'm like, well, I guess they think so, so I'll keep doing it. Yeah, just it. keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I like honestly. I the first time that uh, Caudle sent me one of his scripts of one of the projects he was working on, I looked at the I looked at it and I almost had a conniption because I am so on the opposite end where I have like all of these all this writing planned out ahead of time. Oh really? So when I end up sending him a script for th something I wanted him to read, it was like this like very like long comprehensive dialogue tree of everything that's going on in the scene. <laughs> and like he, he ends up lending to it really well, especially when he needs to like uh, sw uh, slide in and out of like improv or otherwise. Okay, very cool. Oh, that's that's a great yeah, person to have on, on board when someone can improv like that. Um, like Mike, have you have you found the same thing? Do you prefer improving or do you prefer your scripts a little more? I admittedly down? haven't actually done uh, quite as much improv as I'm sure uh, these other folks have, but um, some of my favorite lines in things have definitely been improv. Like um, I know that I've I improved a few lines in um, the project me and Kennedy both worked on has been hotel, mm -hmm. um, and there's been improv in pretty much anything I've done that's animation or um, I've also done anime that doesn't really tend to have improv much but you can you can really fool around and like sometimes an idea just comes into your head and you can just kind of act on it and sometimes sometimes they'll use it so <laughs> um, but no no improv is always a really fun time I uh, admittedly I. Uh, don't really have too much confidence in my improv. Okay. That's something I'm still trying to work on. But no, I definitely do uh, have a lot of fun doing it. Whenever I do get into the get into the mindset, and I'm uh, I'm just I'm just doing it. 
How have you found? You just make me think, though, of like the improv that I do know you from was mm-hmm. when we were on Honeycast together, and people oh, yeah. would do like voice requests for you, and you would mm-hmm. just kind of go. Yeah, they were hilarious, yeah. man. <laughs> and and they were well, they were good enough that people would end up animating you doing these improv lines. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. They are super impressive as animations as well. I, I love the. I think that's what we spoke about last time as well, Kenny. Didn't we like the animated community behind? people who are doing voice projects. Sometimes you'll just get fans of a voice project who will just animate things. Um, we've had people do it for the podcast. There's an artist called Ross Cook, um, who is absolutely amazing. He's just written a kid's book. Um, it's worth checking out. It's amazing. I'll link it in the show notes again for any any listeners who want to check it out. But to have people around you who can just create in such a free form like that is immeasurably impressive. And it's almost like, I, I wish a lot of the times that people who are not getting you know at the forefront of the site to be shown a little bit more like like the animators on youtube that we see that are coming out at the moment um mike you've been doing gaming stuff as well haven't you haven't you been doing some voicing in some games oh yeah yeah um i voiced in uh an rpg game called chris tales that just came out um (laughs) i'm voicing in billy bust up which is a platformer game that's um probably not going to come out for a while but there's been a lot of (laughs) updates and public stuff for that one that um a lot of people are very excited about. That's a music-based um, one, a few right? others that I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, I've done video game voice acting as well. Right, because I, I checked out the Billy Bust-Up one, and that, that looks really, really awesome. Like, it seems... To, is it all rhythm-based music inspired? The boss. It, it looks like the boss fights are going to be, like... Uh, okay. It's going to be, like, a rhythm uh, platformer where, like, you're dodging attacks and stuff. Yeah, um, it's like a 3D, like, think of uh, the old collectathon games from the N64 and GameCube, like Banjo-Kazooie. Ooh, yes, or, all about or that. recently, A Hat in Time. Yeah, yeah. A Hat in Time is a very good Mixed with example. a little Parappa the Rapper. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just a dash. <laughs> Just a dash. A peach. But yeah, there's a song out that I did um, called I've Had Enough of You. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's my boss character singing that song. Uh, the music is done by the wonderful Daniel Ingram, who did the um, the music for My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Oh. And um, oh. a bunch of other things. Um, very, that's, that's very talented too. dude. <laughs> so is, is that, that's the song, presumably, that's on the trailer that's out for it currently, right? Yeah, the one that's like, I've had enough of you. Yeah, that yeah. one. Okay. Uh, that is on the trailer, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Nice. Had you done singing before? Like, I don't know if any of the other guys have done singing, but have you done... I know you did the Addict music video, obviously, for Has Been Hotel. Like, are, are you musically trained? I am not musically trained. I did choir in high school, and that was that's the extent ah. of my musical knowledge. Okay. I don't really consider myself a singer. I can. I think I can carry a tune, but I don't really consider myself a singer. So I'm, um, I'm very lucky that people have given me a shot to um, do singing bits for things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they trusted me, but I'm glad that they turned out well. <laughs> hey, yeah, they worked out very well. Yeah, is there, there's actually... I, I can <laughs> go on, definitely tell you, I am the kind of person where you listen to my voice and you make the assumption that he could, he could probably sing. And then I attempt to, and I just embarrass myself. <laughs> um, the few times that I have attempted to do singing have been buried under a mountain of auditions or uh, have been mm-hmm. lost to the testament of time on the internet. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not great. Um, I have sung to myself every once in a while, but again, it's it's not that I can't hold a tune. I absolutely can. It's that I, I have no proper understanding of my vocal range when it comes to singing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, Same here, dude. <laughs> if I took classes, I'd probably get there, I think. I don't know. Yeah, most, <laughs> most people can sing. It's just uh, the, a little bit of training beforehand just to get them you know, breathing techniques to hold the, the tune and properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you'll get there. You'll and get just the proper kind. form and proper, like, you know, um, placement and whatnot, you know, that all mm -hmm. plays a part in it. It does. And Kennedy, you've got a beautiful baritone. I think you'd be amazing at it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, which is funny because I yeah. keep always uh, leaning a little more towards the higher notes or something when I end up having uh, characters that I play in the show. Because I find my baritone voice to be a lot more... Um, uh, serious when I play okay. when I pr play roles, but I, I actually have this idea for uh, a character that I'm probably going to end up taking for myself in Clutch a Kobold so story. We have this this place where the kobolds end up going to called the the uh, the Temple of the Four Sooths, which okay. uh, reside fourth soothsayers that uh, predict <laughs> that predict the future in 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 different uh, respects and. I end up running into, uh, have you ever seen the show Why Women Kill? Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, I know of it. Yeah. Um, there's a gentleman in that, in, in the first season, who has a very distinct accent, and okay. my writer and I, who were watching the show, kept laughing at, like, whenever he would pronounce certain things. Not because, like, we think, oh, funny accent, but more because he has such a refined accent but also, if you spell out the way that he says certain things, it's just really funny. <laughs> so, so I'm 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 probably going I'm I'm planning on playing a voice in it where like the lead soothsayer is like, we're going to make our way down the prediction tube, tube. and just all the cobalt sitting there <laughs> snickering at the word tube, tube. spelled with a C H U. <laughs> That's a very English pronunciation. That a lot of people I know yeah. say it like that. Yeah. Because we all say tuna it's, it's, instead of tuna. It's a very specific well. dialect uh, mm, of, of British accent, but it's it's at the very at the at the same time. It's kind of like how uh, how British uh, people end up making fun of um, American accents when we pronounce herb. herb. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like someone's like, "What? Why do you pronounce it herb instead of herb? Do you also live in an house?" House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> You know, the funniest thing uh, a non-American ever said to me about American accents is that we sound mm -hmm. like ducks. Because uh, we pronounce Elaborate. things very flat and wah, 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 wah. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, well, thanks, I suppose. Yeah, it depends on the kind of duck, because there's some pretty cool ones, if you ask me. I like a good crane, I like a good heron. <laughs> <laughs> We're all a bit daffy. Yeah, yeah, we're a little bit daffy. You can, you can go with that if you like. Um, that actually pulls it nicely around to Banjo-Kazooie, like Mike just said a second ago, because I was actually thinking about that. Um, have you thought about much of the music to go into the show, Kennedy? Like, have you got like a... I know you, are, you obviously like your, um, your sound characteristics. Like, you're very good at uh, packaging, whether it's a character or a place with a certain sound. Have you thought about that um, for the music for the show? So um, I'm actually working with a new composer this time around. Okay. Um, mostly because my my original composer for Magus Elgar is uh, like he gets really he got really occupied with um, college and stuff, and I didn't want to bother him too much. And my mm -hmm. other composer on Magus Elgar uh, doesn't do music as much as he used to because now he's like running an entire studio over at Melody Gun. Oh fuck! Cool. Um, but um, Anthony, who's going to be my composer, uh, he 
he did a little thing for me uh, briefly. Um, I was working on a a short animatic series that talked about various concepts of Hearth, where I played my my uh, silly Quan Floof, who is like this this uh, dog race in my uh, in Magus Elgar, Magus Serling Tenthorn, to talk <laughs> about various aspects of magic and all the different wonderful things you can find in Hearth. And uh, I was taught. We, we ended up making a short with uh, the very talented uh, Spec Explains uh, to do like a, a little short talking about what a, a strange concept called emotospheres. And I had him do the sound design, and he actually like made music for it. And I'm like, I would actually really like for you to help me make the music for uh, Clutch. Uh, mm-hmm. I am planning on like talking it out with him because something that I, I tend to do when I'm coming up with when I'm talking about music is I usually have like a, a a motif or a feeling that I want to try and emulate or I'll even have like a melody in my head that I'll like hum to the the composer because I can't make music <laughs> uh, and uh, they, they usually do a really great job emulating it like uh, Hamed uh, my composer for Magus Elgar uh, I actually called him and hummed out the tune to Magus Elgar's main theme which we've been carrying for like a lot of different stuff in the show um, and you hummed that down the which, phone at him. <laughs> yeah, like I, 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 literally, I literally, I literally just hummed it to him over the phone. <laughs> yeah, I think he should go like, oh, blah, blah, and he's like, yeah, okay, Kennedy, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, that's great. No, I mean, is there is there anything that's like giving you inspiration from other like games or films that you've sort of tried to capture tones of, or is it? Do you always go straight through the the emotions from like the emotospheres? I will be. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, I do get a lot of inspiration from the uh, the tabletop games that I, I run and participate in because it's it's usually like a good grounds to like practice characters and practice ideas and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And some a lot of ideas that I end up coming up with in Mega Elgar came from tabletop games. And Clutch is no different because the the very premise of Clutch came from I, I had come home from. Uh, taking care of my dad who had just had like some really like really rough spinal surgery mm-hmm. and I, I walked in on all of my roommates chittering and squeaking in these ridiculous voices I'm like what are you doing it's like we're all kobolds <laughs> you're like I'm, I'm here like, I'm here for this <laughs> a, a sane individual would probably look at that and be like okay and then walk out of the room but I look at there and I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> you did this without me. <laughs> Very cool, man. Very cool. But like, I, I loved hearing uh, the, them just going back and forth, speaking in what we ended up uh, affectionately called uh, Cobalt Brain. Uh, and I said, okay, I, I definitely need to do a show about this. <laughs> But okay. there's there's definitely other inspirations from other areas. Like there's other fantasy fantasy shows that I've gotten into, um, like uh, Owl House, Infinity Train. Um, I've not even heard of those. I don't think I've even heard of those. Oh, the Owl House is on Disney. Infinity Train's on Cartoon Network. Fantastic cartoons. I think oh, I recommended amazing. Infinity Train to you at one point. Oh really? Oh, um, it must have slipped through. But like I, I also get like uh, inspiration from a couple of games, um, like uh, two in particular that really caught my attention lately that I've been toying around with ideas about, yeah. um, at least like on a very loose end, like kind of stretching it to its logical extreme is um, the uh, the absolutely delightfully written um, Disco Elysium. 
I've been hearing a lot oh about my this. God. Yeah, that yeah. Game. It's, it's, it's prose and it's descriptions and just the characterizations of some of these people are unforgettable. Especially with the way where they have like all the skills in this RPG are not only like not the kind of skills that you would expect in a in a typical RPG. Like it's not something like dexterity. It's something like Inland Empire. And authority and suggestion. But they also, like, all of these skills, the more points you put into them, they end up arguing with each other as you're trying to come up with ideas and talking to people. Oh, okay. Um, And I I just find that, like, really endearing. And the other one that I had gotten into was um, uh, Deltarune, which came out, a new chapter of it came out pretty recently. It did, Uh, yeah. I still gotta play that. So do I. There's this dynamic that that the... The queen has with the main characters, where she's she's very clearly the villain of the of the show mm-hmm. in in this chapter, but she's not taking her job seriously in the slightest because she's just a mean gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and definitely on my list. I need to check out Disco Elysium. Every every time she's on screen, it's just what ludicrous thing is she going to do next? She's she's practically a, a Looney Tunes character. Oh, amazing. From what nice. little bit I've seen of her, she seems wonderful. <laughs> who, who is it uh, playing them? Do you know? Is it, is it a voice? Oh, uh, the, the uh, voice? There's no voice actors in... Um, Deltarune. In Deltarune. Deltarune. Right, right. Uh, okay. what, what he does is like he'll do the, the, the Banjo-Kazooie thing where he'll like take a sound effect and just kind of repeat it very quickly. Oh, the loop it. But there's tons of people that do like voices for those characters on online. Like there's, if I recall, there's a video that somebody did of the queen telling uh, the main character to get a banana and somebody on on SoundCloud or something did the voice, and it's just, it's like one of those like screechy Monty Python uh, cast oh, yeah. playing a woman voice. Part of and me, it's so perfect. A part of me is glad wow. there's like no official voice actors for Undertale and Deltarune characters because it's just so wonderful mm. seeing everybody's unique takes on the characters, uh, like oh, on, on the internet. Yeah, because yeah, I suppose that way as well, Mike. You you create the own character in your head, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, you have the your free reigns to just take the character however you want to. Yeah, man. It is, is, kind is there of any... funny that in at least with Undertale, there are a handful of characters where you look at their character, you look at what they're doing, and everybody comes to the same conclusion of how they ser- how they're supposed to sound. A uh, case yeah. in point is like the skeleton papyrus. Who, uh, the only thing that you really, like, the only, like, indication of, like, how his voice sounds is he says nyehehe when he laughs. Right. <laughs> and so Very everyone skeletal. ends up uh, getting into the voice of, human, it's yeah. time for us to do our date. Everybody does the Skeletor kind of thing. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a wonderful I hope you like spaghetti. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I, I actually, I, I actually remember when I when I first went through everything. I when I I actually would use the sound that they were making in the in the sound effect for the the text as an indication of what their voice would sound like. So when I heard Sans's voice for the first time, mm-hmm. I actually imagined him sounding a little bit more laid back, but very nasal like this. I heard oh, okay. Patrick Starr from the get go. <laughs> Patrick Star. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's a sample. Usually it's a go sample where, for this kind of voice yeah. for for Sands, but I I always kind of kept this in the back of my head. The um the sample for Sands in Undertale is a 
which is just like it's, it's a uh, it's a rip from the um maybe it's the way you're dressed line. Oh, is that <laughs> Maybe you're ugly. Yes, it is. What? Is Wow. Yeah, I was like, why does that Ma- sound so familiar? The, the line Brain where Patrick blast. says, maybe it's the way you're dressed. If you just take the, <laughs> it, 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 wow. that's what it is. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I have seen like really fun things get uh, done with that sample of, of, of Sans's laugh. Like one of my favorites that I, I heard was uh, there's a YouTuber named Terminal Montage who does the Something About series. I, I love, love Terminal Montage. <laughs> in yeah, in his so Donkey good. Kong video, uh, he's like, pu- like Donkey Kong's like punching through all these walls and then gets to a beaver. And the yeah. beaver like does not have very long to say anything. So he just does like Sans's uh, and then he gets a skeleton punched out of his body. <laughs> I love just how fast-paced all of Terminal Montage's cartoons are. Like, the Star Fox ones are my absolute favorite. I love that you can hear the control stick, like, whacking left and right, like on Super Smash Bros. Oh, so good. And the the, the Zelda one. Just rapidly, this... Yeah. Yeah. It's the the one with the the Breath of the Wild one he did where oh, yeah. you can see the king on the roof and he's like, what is Link doing down there? What in the name of Hylia? And it just like flies up. <laughs> I fucking love it. You yeah. know, actually one of my voice actresses uh, got to work on one of Terminal Montage's videos. Oh, really? uh, Sandra Espinosa played a Waddle Dee in like uh, oh, one of cool. the first Kirby videos that, that he did. That's so good. So good. Um, is there anything else that you guys are playing at the moment? Like uh, the Lady Knives, let's go to you, because I don't know if you're an avid gamer that you've even got on your profile. What have you been playing at the moment? So, oh, geez. Um, well, I just I just got WarioWare on the Switch. I love oh, WarioWare. So uh, yeah. What did we just, uh, I had a friend over. She really wanted to play some Mario Kart 8. So, like, because mm-hmm. she just moved to San Diego. So, I was like, oh, let's do that. Um, and then, but I mostly just play, like, Overwatch. Like, I've been playing that game, like, oh, since really? it came out. Like, it's like when it was in, like, alpha and stuff. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I, that's kind of like my, like, chill kind of me time game. I know it's not a very chill game because, like, tons of shit's happening <laughs> but like yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love that game i can't wait for overwatch 2 um got done watching the league and they leaked a bunch of new stuff so i'm just super excited and uh what else is coming out um i know it's gonna be released on switch pretty soon i think yeah sometime next month just like a new mario party and they're gonna be like mm-hmm. they're gonna have it be like the classic modes <laughs> and everything like no you know asynchronous dice or whatever um, yeah yeah so i so desperately want to play that game but none of my roommates like mario party what? Oh. Dude, i mean I the recent mario, mario party at least every like month <laughs> at least every yeah. month we play so mario cool. party yeah so like the recent mario parties have been Okay, <laughs> I think the most recent one is like probably the best one of like the new ones. But mm-hmm. like all my friends are super excited for like the next one that's coming out. What about you, Coddle? Have you been playing? What about, what about you, Coddle? What about what games are you going through? Ah, uh, well, you see, I am a bad gamer. I am that person who plays like one video game a year. It took really? me a decade to beat Super Mario Three. Oh. Uh, so I am still trekking my way through the very recent title, Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. So I've good. just got to the end of it myself. It's beautiful as well. It looks it's, so, it's so wonderful. nice. Yeah. Uh, my, mine was always a Mario household because uh, I'm, I'm a triplet. 
uh, on top of having. <gasps> Hang on. Uh, Fuck off a minute. Really? You're a triplet. Other, yeah. <laughs> I'm a triplet, and I have six other sisters besides. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh my goodness. So, yeah, mine was squarely a Nintendo household because if it wasn't yeah. multiplayer or a platformer where you could pass the controller, it wasn't really getting played. Yeah, yeah, uh, I get that. Oh, God. Yeah, so my entire video game experience is mostly brief snatches of platforming uh, <laughs> interrupted by sisterly <laughs> interjections. It's still so my I'm, go. Ugh. Yeah. So a very platformer-based uh, games with short, measured goals I can beat in between work sort of game. Yeah. Cool. And because I'm so busy, I've been just chipping very slowly away. Yeah, and there's a lot, a lot of things to collect in that game. Odyssey is a huge, huge game. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I could be like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to find three moons. And then I can just get up and I can get back <laughs> and just to go. other things. <laughs> Uh, I, I, it's open world games scare me because I like I could spend forty five minutes playing this game and get nothing done. I need metered progression. I need to be graded. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm the same too. <laughs> yeah, like as much as I love Breath of the Wild, like I think it's a, it's a wonderful game and obviously it looks beautiful and the gameplay is brilliant. I do find myself being lost for suddenly three hours and I'm like, what yeah. have I done? I've picked up little <laughs> gold stones yeah. and I've dropped like six rocks on Koroks, but that's all yeah. I've done. <laughs> no, that's no, literally, game. That's yeah. that meme for me. No fear, one fear accidentally <laughs> losing three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I confess, um, when it comes to my own gaming habits, I'm, I'm very erratic. Okay. Uh, I am very frequently finding myself in situations where I have dogpiled eight or nine games on me at any given point mm-hmm. uh case in point right now um i'm going through undertale with a friend of mine who's never gone through it before since i just finished deltarune i'm going through evil genius omori final fantasy 7 final fantasy 7 the remake uh samurai jack um gtfo and i believe i'm going through alien isolation with a friend of mine and I am sitting there staring at the trilogy of Mass Effect, and I have not touched it yet, but I'm planning on doing that next. Okay, so you're likely um, to finish in, what, 2061? I'm my <laughs> game for Crossout with a friend of mine because that's free to play, and he usually likes playing online because it's Lego cars, and <laughs> I might as well do that. May as well. God. Steam sales. <laughs> yeah. You got you. A, I, I have a lot of games that I go through, and I'm usually, like, rapidly swapping between each of them because I can't sit still in that kind of regard. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've actually just started uh, Pokemon Sword myself. I've just had that bought for me by my girlfriend. Um, I, I started Pokemon Sword and I haven't finished it for the exact same reason of I'm terrified of uh, losing. Really? Oh, so you have other games you've played. I have yeah. other games I've played. I forgot because I only got to like the third town and then I was like, I'm losing too much time to this idea. Oh, wait. There is, a, there is a recent game I've been playing. I, did, I didn't think it counted. Uh, I got, uh, my housemate gave me his old VR headset because he yes. upgraded to nice. the new one. And, like, uh, I kept hearing about this game Until You Fall, uh, which is this game where, like, you're a swordsman and, like, you have to lift your controllers to block swords and then slash back at the right times. Nice. Uh, And it's very fun. And I had a very fun experience the other day uh, because generally I'm a pretty pacifistic, uh, everybody gets along sort of person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the game trains you in a way where, like, the enemies that used to give you trouble, you can just, like, destroy with a few strokes after playing it for a little while. So, like, I was fighting one of the harder enemies, and, like, this little ticky-tacky enemy that used to give me trouble, like, came up to the side of me, and I looked at him, and I had the thought, you are beneath me! (laughs) So I just smashed him into the dirt and kept fighting. And I've never had that wrathful of a thought in my entire life. 
In my mind, it was such a backhand downwards. It was like, yeah. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> it was like backhand to the side. Yeah. Get out the room. I don't have time for you. And I've never yes. been that idly wrathful in my entire life. So until you fall, if anyone mm-hmm. out there has got a VR headset, I recommend it highly. VR headset had a bit of rage by, they by need the to release. Way, <laughs> can I just say, uh, Michael? Yes. The fact that... Uh, uh, Dave Captiville is going through Deltarune with you doing voices for him on the back is such a spoil maneuver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are spoiling that man yeah. by so giving cool, him though. that kind of voice acting for Deltarune. <laughs> I'll just, I'll so just, fun? I'll just not be part of his part two one because uh, I still need to play it myself. <laughs> uh, but no, I probably will be on his chapter two. Story. I think he's doing one next week. I don't know. Next weekend. Oh um, man! But as far as cool. to be a fly on the wall in that uh, one, yeah. yeah. As yeah. far as my own gaming habits, while you guys were all talking about b- what video games you've been playing, I decided to go through and look at the number of games I've played on Steam versus the okay. number of games I own on Steam. Oh no! no. Oh no! This is so, oh. there is a disparity. So isn't games there? that I've lost. So so I have eight hundred and sixty-two games. Oh on Steam. my god! Okay. Jesus! I have eight hundred and sixty-two games, and as far as games that have any like game like some of these don't even have any gameplay time on them they've just been opened and closed once wow. um, but as far as games that have been opened at least once 80 games 80 games out of 800 oh my god michael i'm an awful gamer <laughs> yeah you're are you like do you open it and look at the title screen and go no and just like yeah. close it no that's what it is that's what it is sometimes go to the title screen eh I don't feel like playing this right now. Maybe later. <laughs> God, I've done never... that once or twice. <laughs> okay, so for the game devs listening, make your title screens better. What we're getting from Mike here is if you had better title screens, we'd play the games. <laughs> it's not even that necessarily. It's just that sometimes it's decision fatigue, it's just man. That sometimes I'll just boot it up and be like, you know, on second thought, eh, yeah. I just I'm not in the mood right now. I think yeah. the game I play the most on Steam has got to be Left 4 Dead 2. That's my baby. Oh, that's, for, that's for everybody, I think. <laughs> yeah. Team Fortress 2. Team, yeah, Team Fortress 2 as well. And then um, just real quick, like, they're making basically another Left 4 Dead 2 called Back, yeah, for, Blood. Back for Blood. I'm Back for so Blood. excited. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Did you play the demo at all? No, because, oh, I, I yeah, I didn't want to get spoiled or I didn't want to see any, like, glitchy nonsense. I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm just going to wait for the actual game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From, from what I played... It, you could tell it was a demo, and I think there's things that are going to improve, and I hope they do. That's all I'll say. Like, mm-hmm. the concept's great, and like I love the team behind it. I love Left 4 Dead 2, so I'm happy to see how it improves, you know? Um, I, I, I regret to inform that I, I was a very diehard believer of their last big project, which happened to be Evolve. Oh, me oh, too. Yes. Yeah. I, I, put, I put $200 on that game. Oh, it was crowdfunded? Because I... Bu- I, I no 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 like they had a thing where it's like oh buy the like super legendary edition oh, of the game yeah oh wow and you'll get like all the content and stuff like that I'm like yes everything about this game is ama- sounds amazing I want everything to do <laughs> yeah. with this and then you can't even play it now no no I've actually never had the chance to play that one um, oh it was so fun really like the closest thing that I would say that you could play to it nowadays is Predator Hunting Grounds. Okay. Yeah, because that's the which is okay. Is it the five V one. If you've got PlayStation Plus right now, it's free. Oh, is it? As of you know, uh, September twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. But um, 
No, it's it's a lot of fun. Like I do love like playing like group games with people every every now and again. Like I'll I'll usually get uh, get-togethers for some things like that. Like uh, my roommates and I will play uh, Dead by Daylight and uh, the very uh, the criminally underrated Friday the Thirteenth game on uh, mm-hmm. during during the spooky month of October. It's coming up, obviously. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, the the Friday the Thirteenth one is one of those kind of games that if you don't take it seriously, it's a blast. But if you're trying to like play to win, it's it can be very frustrating because there is very little balance in that game. Right, right. So it's more of just like a fun party game. Yeah, like it's it's a fun party game, especially when you've got like the guy who's playing as um, uh, playing as as uh, Jason busting through doors and like he's like this big menacing presence and the guy who's doing the voice on the other end is like, y'all want to talk about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> <Really? laughs> <laughs> what have you guys got planned for Halloween? Are you like Kennedy? Start with you. You got any spooky stories coming up? You got any uh, got any ghost stories you can tell us? Um. Well, uh, I, I have been exposing myself pretty regularly to the uh, the Backrooms wiki, which has been uh, yes. a universe that really caught my attention for a while. Um, I know that my, uh, in terms of like what I'm planning on doing, um, I'm planning on pushing this show as much as I mm-hmm. can for, for Clutch, because that's going to be the majority of October for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm also planning on uh, my my roommate uh, has a, a tabletop game planned where he wants to do like all the stuff based off of cryptids and uh, uh, classic monster movie uh, characters uh, for for like a brief game because uh, every every Halloween I end we end up running a, a tabletop game that's like something spooky related or whatever. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I. Uh, as far as that goes, like I don't really have too many right now. I don't. I don't have any spooky stories to tell <laughs> as of this moment. But it is one that starts spooky and then gets silly. I could share. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this might make it into the special episode, or I'll put it in with the paranormal stuff next month. But yeah, go for it. Once upon a time, when I was out at sea, I had been in the process of sailing around the world with my family. <laughs> It was late at night, and my parents had gotten into the habit of doing three-hour shifts, where they would be three hours awake, three hours asleep. Uh, this ended up coming to a head when, late at night, when the uh, the moon was out, the ocean was very calm, there, were, there was no land within at least a hundred miles in every direction, and my mother was out at watch. Uh, she was sitting by herself in foul weather gear in the cockpit, and she had noticed a light off in the distance moving very erratically. It had moved up and down, side to side, at impossible speeds, in a way that she could not conceptualize of it being anything from this world. She thought it might have been a ghost. She thought it might have been a spaceship. So in her panic, she ran downstairs and called for my dad, who had uh, cumulatively three hours of sleep over the course of the last four days, because three hours of sleep doesn't really get you much time. (laughs) He comes upstairs and she points at it, and she was convinced that she had been seeing things. But to her surprise, he saw it too. He stared at it for a little while, and he slowly turns to my mother and says with a very flat affect, that's a seagull. (laughs) (laughs) 
It turns out it was a seagull moving, uh, say, uh, fla- uh, gliding right next to the ship about six feet from my mother's face. Oh, oh. really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and she was so sleep-deprived that she was convinced it was not of this world. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Crazy seagull. Uh, yeah. actually, if you want, if you want another spooky story, I have possibly seen a ghost once. Oh, go, Kodal. Tell us all about uh, it. I'm excited. <laughs> so, uh, New Year's Eve at my house back in Florida when I was a child, uh, we had this thing we would do where in the run-up to New Year's Eve, about a week, maybe a week and a half before New Year's Eve, uh, we would pool all of our little pennies and quarters and fill like a Folgers coffee tin full of as much candy as we could afford because mm-hmm. uh, we were generally not super well off. So like you, you get like a piece of candy a week or whatever, but nah, it's New Year's. Pixie sticks, ring pops, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'd use the sugar to try to stay up till sunrise, and we never did it. We never stood up, stayed up all the way till sunrise, no matter how much sugar we bought. Uh, but my dad was a photographer at the time, uh, so he'd go out and take pictures of the New Year's parties, and then he'd come back at, like, 3 a.m. or whatever, uh, and generally, if we stayed up till then, we called it a win. Uh, but this particular uh, New Year's Eve, my sisters fell asleep very, very early into the night, and they were asleep by the time my dad came home. Okay. Uh, my dad came home, and he helped me count uh, a bunch of loose 20s <laughs> that he'd gotten off of a New Year's party, and then he's like, uh, you know what, this is the New Year's, you're going to make it. This is the New Year's, you're going to make it till till morning. So we're going to walk outside, and we're going to watch the sunrise, and you won't be able to sleep because there's no bed. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, so I get my little Folgers uh, thing full of candy, because my sisters fell asleep, so therefore all the candy is obviously mine. Claimed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I walk outside with Dad, and we wait for the sun to rise. And, we, and, we, and our house is on the corner, uh, so like there's, a, there's like a T-shaped road. Uh, a very uh, where, where the house is, uh, and we're standing on the corner as my dad like hits golf balls, just chipping into the grass every now and again. As it's like uh, starting to become twilight, it's like the air is starting to become a little moist. It's blue out. It's dark, but not too dark. And then suddenly, my dad sees a man uh, walking uh, down the sidewalk, and he's like, "That that guy looks really familiar." Uh, and he's like, uh, uh, "Come here, come here. Well, we're, gonna, we're gonna see if I can if I recognize that guy." And he like yells the guy's name. And he yells, "Lock it." Because uh, everyone down south has nicknames. I know a guy named Roach, a guy named... <laughs> uh, one of my aunt's nicknames was Mutt, and I don't know how that came about. Uh, but he calls out, lock it, lock it. Uh, and then the guy doesn't turn around. Uh, so the guy goes down to the end of the block, and then he turns left. And we're, like, right behind him. But he goes into our blind spot, and we come around to where we can finally see him. And the road is dead empty. <laughs> Ooh, weird. Uh, and, and I was like, Dad, who's Lockett? And he's like, I'm pretty sure, I, I thought it was a Lockett because Lockett died three weeks ago. <laughs> but oh, shit. That looked, a lot like, that looked a lot like Lockett. Uh, and I was like, I wish to go inside now, Father. <laughs> I'm done with this year. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that's To add an addendum to this story, I was very sleep deprived. And my dad, I learned as I got older, smoked weed like a Rastafarian chimney. So, oh, nice. I don't <laughs> I don't know if that is 100% what happened, but the memory sticks with me. Yeah, great story. You did way. actually remember, uh, remind me of a, of, of a story I do have for you, but I want I want these two to go first. <laughs> yeah, go. Mike or Lady Knives. Me. I do not oh, have I, I don't have a story, unfortunately, so <laughs> yeah. I'm ones. all ears, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. All right, I've got, I've got one for you. It was... Uh, I'd come home from college. Uh, this is in Florida, because, of course, all the spooky stuff's apparently happening in Florida, Coddle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Home of um, weirdness. 
I was driving home from uh, from college to uh, see my parents for the weekend, and the one thing that I really caught notice of that particular evening was that the moon was extremely red. It was almost a blood moon. Now, I don't mean like the kind of blood moon where like they say it's a blood moon, but it's really like it's got kind of like a sunburn on the bottom of it. I mean like a very deep, like almost orange kind of moon. Yeah. Um, and as, I, uh, as I'm driving, I, I look up to the sky and I catch a brief glimpse of a silhouette of what appears to be a humpback whale in the sky. <laughs> I flip out, I blink, and it's gone. What? So I end up trying to get because uh, uh, I, I pass by some trees and there's and like it's occluded. So I'm trying to find like a better angle. I, I end up like de detouring hard to try and figure out if I can get a better angle of where this thing was at. And um, by the time I, I find a good angle to look at the moon, I'm at the beach where there's no like uh, power lines mm -hmm. or. or trees or anything like that that get in the way and I stare at the moon for a good long like 30-45 seconds <laughs> and I see what appears to be the edges of a clawed hand wrapping its fingers around the moon Ooh. what? something was behind the moon and the only thought that ran through my head was whatever's behind that moon cares not for our affairs of mortal men. <laughs> Holy fuck. That's awesome. And I, I looked up at that and I, I, I had to assess like, well, okay, so what do you do with this situation? And of course the emotional side of me is like, well, we definitely have to tell somebody, but the logical side is like, well, I, what do you yeah. do in this situation? <laughs> so <laughs> if, if it happens to be the real thing, yeah, how do you deal with that? It'll it, it will probably slap the planet at some point if we cause enough <laughs> issues. Uh, or you could just leave it be and and let it do its thing. So I figured that the the uh, the path of lesser resistance of you don't really have to talk about it with too many people and just let it do its own thing. I can't say for certain if it was a, a, a hallucination or uh, some kind of uh, brief psychosis, but every once in a while I look at the moon and I think about that hand wrapped around <laughs> the, uh, the edges of it. It's terrifying. Your life is an H.P. Lovecraft story. It is. <laughs> it reminds me of that reminds one. Me of those, uh... Okay, thank you. No, I was gonna say it reminds me of one of my favorite lines from Invader Zim when it's like, "Well, now look at that! It's one of them scar whales." <laughs> <laughs> hey, like you might have thought, you might actually realize that the 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 whale thing that I end up seeing in the sky eventually made its way into Magus Elgar. <laughs> nice, 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 dude. So, Carter, what were you gonna say before I rudely interrupted? Oh no, you're fine. I was going to say that uh, your thought of this uh, this hand cares not for the affairs of mortal men. Reminds me of, like, that Twitter post that was going around a little bit of, like, just a picture of an asteroid heading for Earth, and then the text, what do you do if you see this? And my answer is like, I don't know, die? What am I die? supposed to <laughs> die? I, like, what do you do in that situation? <laughs> parry. Like, you parry, you filthy like, casual. I'm gonna go and loot. I'm like, what's the point? What's the point in looting? You're gonna die. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you do? Nothing. <laughs> so you guys have never seen anything paranormal. At all. <sighs> well, I mean, I've 
Oh, you're talking about yeah, those the, two. the two in the middle of the chat here, like Me? sitting around the no, campfire. No, I've never experienced anything paranormal. Uh, I mean, I was really young. I guess I have one, but like not really, because I don't really, I don't know what to think of it. But okay, tell it. Um, tell it. go over it. Well, when I was super, super young, my family went to visit. Um, oh God, I think he was my uncle. It was such a long time ago. It's like a late family member. Um, we went to the mausoleum and like, okay. you know, we, we oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. what you'd, I don't know what they're called. I'm sorry. It's like a crematorium kind of thing. No, it's a mausoleum. Yes. Mausoleum. Okay. So yeah. Um, apparently like I saw it and everybody else saw it, but I still to this day have no idea what the hell happened, but we went to, you know his plot, I suppose you could say, like, where he is, and, like, there's, like, a little chair there. It's, like, a upholstered chair. So I sat in it, and there was, like, another, like, seat or two beside me, and, like, literally, like, everybody saw that, like, the seat next to me, like, sank. Oh, and, oh. don't like yeah, that. That was, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was just, like, <laughs> um, okay. Like, I was, like, too young to be, like, super afraid of it or whatever, but, like, that's what we saw. And it was like really weird. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what the science behind that is, but <laughs> No, no. There's there's weird occurrences like that, that that can just happen. Like there's I've had a few occurrences in places where I've been working. So I know like some some listeners may have, have heard one or two of the stories before. Um but like, I I work for Netflix and other television production companies, um, freelance, so I go to a lot of unusual sets. And a lot of the places we use in England, I work a lot on police dramas. So a lot of the places we film in are like nasty, old, broken down buildings. Um, and one of them in particular always comes to mind. And it's an old children's hospital and mental asylum uh, in the next town, well, the next city over from where I live. And 15,000 people died there. Um, oh, yeah, wow. it's a seriously not nice place it's weird and it just the air feels strange it's just something about it just doesn't feel right it's, it's very like dense and heavy it's like a, a pressure isn't yeah, it yeah yeah um and we were filming down in the basement and this was on a, a wartime drama and they had taken a big fridge down there like a, a lead fridge from the 40s because it was set in, in just after the war so it was like set around that time um, mm -hmm. And the problem was it took six of the prop guys to carry it down there. And because it was made of Oof. lead, they couldn't get it back out. It was too heavy for all of them to get it back up this small stairway. So I had to go down there and measure up this fridge to order a stair climber. You know, like one of those, like, it's almost like a sack truck with triangle wheels that like climbs up the steps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I pull up at this giant hotel. Um, for any like people watching on YouTube, I'll put an image up of it and I'll send you guys an image of it later. Um, so I pull up, I go in, it's about, I don't know, 6 PM. It's starting to get dark. All the rest of the crew are gone. So there's just me. So I've got the keys. So I let myself in and it's all like long dusty corridors, all like silent hill wall paint is all peeling off. Like it was the worst. And I'm following these like hanging work lights. Like they're in the Ishimura on dead space. If you remember like the two lights on hooks that yeah, like, yeah. and they're pointing down all these corridors and I'm, I end up downstairs in the basement and it suddenly dawns on me that we've been filming in the morgue. And oh. Oh. yeah, I'm like, oh, this is, 
this is the worst. <laughs> um, oh, wow. So I, I, I whip out my uh, tape measure and I measure this fridge and I'm, I, I jot it down real quick. And then out in the hallway, I hear a dee dee and the light went out. And then I looked at the light in the room with me and it did the same thing and I was just plunged into pitch black. And I have never wrestled the phone from my pocket so fast and got the talk done. <laughs> and I was just stood there like, oh no. And I literally ran, I ran out of that building. And the worst thing is a couple of years later, I put in a sat nav, uh, put in a, a postcode on, a, on my sat nav to take me to a set. And I'm like, I recognize this postcode and I don't know why. And when I pulled up, I was back outside that building again. And I was like, oh, oh. no, not here. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst. Uh, you know, you, you, you reminded me of uh, one unfortunate uh, film shoot that I had, mm -hmm. uh, which was, it was an exciting film shoot, but the location itself was very suspect. Okay. So... Uh, for my thesis film, I got to work on a film called Little Goat, which is uh, has been like running around on film festivals for years now. Okay. Um, the tale was supposed to take place in like the old in like the nineteen hundreds mm -hmm. or nineteen twenties or so, um, and it's about a little girl who's born with like these really big horns, and uh, she gets taken to this orphanage where the uh, owner, Mister Nofsker. Uh, promises to make her beautiful by, you know, shaving off her her horns and and beautifying her face, mm -hmm. and then attempts to lobotomize her. Oh damn, that's not the same thing at all. It's it's a really like messed up movie, but it it's 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 very it's a very uncomfortable watch. But we walk into this building, and it is like the most haunted looking house <laughs> in Los Angeles. Like we're like in the dead he uh, heart of Crenshaw. We're like on the other side of like an elementary school, and there's this like decrepit looking house that looks like it has not been renovated since 1937. Nice. Um, we walk in. All the floorboards are creaking. There's dust and and cobwebs everywhere, and there's a, the stairwell that goes upstairs has a mural of this hellish landscape. Wow. Of like black tentacles reaching down into the depths of hell, <laughs> and you walk in there and you get that immediate like uh, wa you walk into a place. You ever like walk into a convenience store where like the air conditioner is like blowing between the outside and the inside, and like you're suddenly like in a room that's cold. Mm, yeah, yeah. Imagine doing that. But instead of you walking in from a place from warm to cold, you walk into a place of, okay, I'm outside right now to unwelcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the immense feeling of I really shouldn't be here right now was prevalent throughout that entire house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one, one of, uh, the, one of the, the, the crew was sitting down at, uh, on the stairwell, like feeling that, like, that the worst. And he's like, dude, I don't know about you, but I feel like really bad about this house right now. And the director, who was the one that helped, lo who did the location scout on this place, mm -hmm. says, well, that's because somebody got shot at this place you're sitting on right now. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, the, the atmosphere. And we're like, get. how many murders happened to this house? He goes, about three. Wow. <laughs> All in the past week. <laughs> and, like, everybody in the room is like, dude, why are we here? Yeah. It's like it's okay, man. If like uh, if God's if it's if God's offended about us making a film here, luckily he doesn't exist. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though. Like some places like that, like feel right away wrong. Like there's something strange about them. 
But then there's places like an, another place that we filmed in. It was actually on the same the same show, and I've actually seen the location used on. Uh, it was on a Netflix show recently, the one about Sherlock Holmes, the latest one they did. What was it now about about the about the homeless kids? Oh, oh, uh, the, the Irregulars, the Baker Irregulars, Street Irregulars show. That's it, that's yeah, the yeah. one, yeah. Okay. They used pretty much all the locations that we filmed in previously. Like everyone, I was like, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. Um, and they used this one hall that is, again, it's in Liverpool, but it's absolutely beautiful. It's a really, really nice, like, grand hall. It's got all, like, marble-style pillars, like a grand piano every, like, in each of the rooms and these big arching stairways. Um, but down one of the side corridors, there is a lift, and we, we'd filmed downstairs in the nice rooms and then we were actually going to be filming right upstairs but we hadn't been there yet and it turned out that you had to have a password in the lift to take you up to this floor um, or the lift had to be called from the top floor so me and two other prop lads we get we get in in the lift we've got all you know we're packing stuff in moving stuff from the floor below and then the, the lift suddenly closes and starts moving. And we're like, what the hell? Like, did you, did you press it? And we're like, no, no, no. Um, and I like, I pulled, we actually had a board that had like lent up against it so we couldn't press the buttons. So I was like, well, I don't even have the code either. So I couldn't call it up there. And no. the lift then misses the floor that we were working on, goes to the next one. And then it goes to the floor where you, it has to be called and the lift doors opened and it was just like a pitch black corridor all the way down. And like Kennedy said, there was just like this feeling of something in that corridor. And I was just like pressing the button to the door like, no, 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 down, down, please. Yeah. <laughs> and the doors just like Away. slowly closed and then it just went down. No idea how it went up there or why, but that oh was a God. very uneasy place. And when we actually filmed up there uh, the week later, because we did use that location later on. Uh, there was like pentagrams on the floor, drawn in salt and stuff. Like it was something odd had gone on odd up there. You know, there's some people had been doing things. You know, mm. you know, uh, guys, we actually are planning on having a spooky episode in um, in Clutch. Yay! I am down for uh, the, spooky this. Yeah. There is a moment where the kobolds end up uh, going to a library that has a lot of uh, spooky things going on it. Now, I won't say what in, in particular, <laughs> um, but the spooks will be had. I love <laughs> libraries. Exciting. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, awesome. if, uh, I, I do, uh, on the note of unwelcome places, this never mm -hmm. happened to me, but there was a very, very, very real possibility it would because I sleptwalked really bad as a child. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> and as I said, my house was on a corner on a T-shaped road, and mm -hmm. if you went right on the T-shaped road, you would end up in a park. But if you went left on the T-shaped road, you would end up in a graveyard. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it happened to me twice that I, that I sleptwalked out of the house and just walked one-fourth of a mile to the park. And what? I just woke up on a slide at 3 a.m. in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, the murder capital of Florida. <laughs> I think you would have been safe very, very... to be like, look at this creepy fucking kid going down the slide this time of night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that I've always been randomly twee. So I had mm. like button up 
pajamas and looked like little Nemo. Thank God I didn't sleep in my boxers or anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like that happened to me twice, and I was always super terrified that I was going to wake up in the graveyard instead of the park. Yeah, I bet. Oh my god. Yeah, but how much of a how much of a trip would it have been for a random bystander to walk by and see like a, a little kid in pajamas? <laughs> on on a slide in the middle of the night yeah. at 3 a.m. and just immediately go, you know, I'm going to walk yeah, the other nope. direction. I'm going to take the graveyard <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah, I, I always wondered why no one stops me, but it, it is the murder capital of Florida, so mind your business, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. Well, I'd, as that was a completely unplanned bit of this episode, shall we move on to the next <laughs> section? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, well, I enjoyed it regardless. That was really good fun. I, I may keep it in this episode, or like I said, I may stick it in some of the October episodes. We'll see. Uh, we're going to move on to our Reddit questions. It's like we've got a few from over there. Uh, the first one is from Dorgoth12. Uh, any any of you guys, feel free to chime in for this one as it's, it's aimed at any of you. Uh, they said, hello, Haz. Thank you for your time. How important is it? To have a variety of characters and accents in your repertoire as a voice actor, as opposed to a polished natural voice. Uh, oh, uh, well, uh, I have thoughts on this. Go, go. <laughs> it's, I don't know. A lot of the voice actors people remember really just kind of do one, one to three things super, super well. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and like, I'm uh, in agreement. Being able to being able to act and emote kind of comes a little above doing funny voices. So, like, if you yeah. only got one kind of voice, like, that's that's fine if you can emote and act well in it. My uh, mentality, yeah. my mentality is like you need you need to be able to act first and foremost, mm-hmm. than doing a voice. And yeah. voice acting, you you can literally just have one voice. Just you know, just like Cottle said, just have one voice. But as long as you're able to act in that one voice, you know. You could still fit a good variety of characters using that one voice. Oh, absolutely! Um, uh, it doesn't matter. Absolutely, um, it's nice. It's nice to have other kinds of voices and dialects in your ballpark that you can, you know, Whip out. choose to play around with mm-hmm. and whatnot. But if you can't, no worries. There's nothing wrong with you absolutely. know just having one voice that you can default to. Well, like uh, as far as has been goes, like uh, Richard Stephen Horvitz, uh, you know, yeah. originally the voice of Invader Zim, Billy yeah. from Billy and Mandy. Like he kind of only does the one, <laughs> the one sort of voice, but he does it so well, and the characters yeah. are so distinct within that one vocal profile that you know Billy doesn't sound like Zim, but you can tell they're the same guy. Yeah, they're like, right. I think, different. I think everyone needs, everyone kind of thinks their voices need to be so distinct. From each other you can't tell it's the same person but that's not really the case no yeah. have to i mean it's character. also that like it blew my mind the first time that i heard uh, richard horvitz i was at a convention uh and when i got to finally hear him speaking normally uh the play the voice that he puts on for rasputin for for yes. psychonauts is just his regular speaking yeah. voice I'm like wow you really? just actually yeah. sound like that yes yeah, he just funny. sounds like that oh my yeah. god that's so cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like um in terms of like the voice acting thing, the one thing that I would say is a limitation for you if you try doing the the various voices but don't really focus on your regular speaking voice is that if there are certain types of emotions that you cannot emulate very well, those gaps are going to exist in your other voices when you do it. If them. not widen, yeah. That's because true. If you, can't, if you can't do it in your regular voice, there's no way you're going to be able to do it in the others. Like, for example, I... I have a hard time sound. I have a really hard time sounding intimidating when I'm yelling. Okay. Um, 
when when I'm trying to do like a, a like very scary voice or something like that, if I try doing the intent, like the, if I try yelling with that voice, it just loses all of its all of its uh, weight to it because I'm not I, I don't typically come off as an intrinsically intimidating person okay. when I'm do speaking. Do you have like a more of a funny yell, like a funny scream? Is that kind of how it comes off? You know I do. <laughs> Because I, I, I can definitely do, like, the Tom, the Tom like, Tom's scream from Tom and Jerry kind of thing. Like, that's the kind of screaming <laughs> right. and yelling I can do. It's it's very silly and tongue-in-cheek and stuff, and I lean into that. But um, for the more, like, because the, the, the serious, intimidating yelling voice is not something I'm, I'm as experienced with, I always have to go in with these voices that I have, knowing that if I'm going to be doing, like, an intimidating, scary voice... I have to make sure that I don't I, I keep it like really like reserved so he's not the kind of character that would raise his voice unless it's necessary. Okay. So going down into this region, we need to make sure that I if I'm going to intimidate somebody instead of me yelling at them, I say don't you think you can stand up to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's like Hello. you're writing the character to the strength of the voice then that way, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like uh I would say like, I have no doubts that, you know, the more, like, voices or accents someone can do, I think that they can really stretch that and be really success successful. But mm -hmm. it definitely does depend on how confident they feel in, in doing all of that. Because I agree um, with what was said earlier that you can definitely just use, like, one voice, but you can really change things around a little bit by just altering you know, your, your normal voice, just a little bit. Um, you can definitely get by pretty far with that, I think. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. it's not even about, like, changing the pitch of your voice. It, changing, like, the placement of, you know, like, your mouth. Like, the, your tongue in your mouth, making it, like, shift a little bit. Yeah. Certain things, like, just changing oh, the shape of your mouth. Oh. Little tiny micro things that you don't even think about. Oh, absolutely. Will change your voice. Yeah. Like, it's, the... it's not not even about your vocal folds. Right, you know, exactly. Point. And voice yeah. acting is very physical. Like, you, got, you have to get your entire body into it. Like, I remember when we did, I think it was a table read, Kennedy, that we did uh, when, when Husky was around. And, um... I actually lowered my microphone a little bit so that I could like slump over <laughs> um, because I was like, okay, like, especially if like you have a, a visual of like the character that you're voicing, this is really especially good, I think, in terms of um, auditions as well. Like just look at their physicality and just try to like em emulate that when you're auditioning. I think it would help a lot. And it, it definitely oh. comes out in your voice too. Yeah. Oh, that helps loads. And I was surprised how much range you can get out of, like, just adding, like, breathiness or, like, uh, nasicality or something like that. Because you can have the same voice, but, like, if you make it a little, a little breathier, then, you know, it kind of turns into a different sort of thing. Or, yeah. or if you go deeper down to the registers, then you've got a whole other sort of person. It still kind of sounds like <laughs> you, but you can kind of get a whole other character out of it just by, like, going a little, just adding little things that you don't, you don't even really think about. Yeah. Something... Something I do a lot is uh, when I'm doing like a voice or a character, I'll usually build like a, a sentence to help me get into the yeah, voice. Yeah. Because um, there, there's a lot of times where like there's an accent or something that I'm not like as familiar with, or like a tone of voice that I'm not familiar with. Um, like uh, one one that I was doing when I was practicing like reading the scripts out loud for for the voice of Nam when I was doing the voice was. Um, I've always wanted to have a conversation with a bird. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
It's that's the voice that I would end up yeah. going for, or like, uh, uh, like, or like when I'm doing my voice for Megas Sagari for Megas Elgar. I want to make sure that you understand <laughs> that I'm speaking as clearly as I can. Oh, absolutely. Uh, advice. What was the one that uh, you had, Michael, for for Angel Dust? What was that? Oh, like what the voice I did for Angel? Like a lock-in phrase. No, what was the sentence that you used to get yourself into? Angel I literally Dust's just voice? said the word fucking. Fuck it. <laughs> That's all I did. I would oh. just add the, I would just say the word fucking and oh, it would man. just kind of shift me into the voice cuz just that placement of like saying the word like and the bitterness of in the roughness of just saying the word fucking. I'm yeah. so happy. I'm so happy that I'm not the only one who has like activation phrases. Oh yeah, no that's yeah. a great technique to have. It really is. Yeah. Cuz like Casey I play a very a very Brit a very excitable kind of Irishy British sort of fellow and the way I always get into uh, his voice is like oh man. I always go like oh hi you. Oh my god, I'm so happy to see you. That's wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. <laughs> I just try to be very enthusiastic good. and I settle. Thank you. Uh, also, as a tip for anyone who does want to get into doing accents or anything like that, people who are from that region are going to hear you. And the first couple of times they're going to say it's terrible. But do your research. And there's yes. lots of videos yes. and resources. Because, like, uh, there's lots of things that you really have to keep under wraps if you want to talk in like not a native sort of accent like there's like Irish in particular I've been looking into and like there's a lot of weird birdie sorts of sounds there are do idly yeah and, like um they do a lot of weird like uh like fluttery sort of things with their tongues I don't like really, I don't I don't quite understand the whole the whole width and breadth of it, but you got a tree. They're going to like gobble marbles while you're talking, and it's the whole thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's surprising. I, I just love that. I, I love like your 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 almost like your tongue is trying to escape. Absolutely, and trying to be understandable while doing it is entirely. <laughs> 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 That's great. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, I mean the, like, the Irish accent's a great one. There's a, I, I've worked with people that have been so severely Irish that I have no idea what they're saying. Yeah, it's a real wild tongue movement. It is, that, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's great about the, the lock-in phrases. I'm actually glad you brought that up because that was something I actually forgot to ask about earlier. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up. Uh, we have another question, if you're ready. Which is from probably on mobile, so I'm guessing they're on the mobile. Uh, what are some hallmarks of amateur voiceover work, like whisper shouting, for example, that make you roll your eyes? And how would you address them in a booth? I'm guessing that's more aimed towards Kennedy. Okay, so one of the main problems that I run into with um, mm -hmm. actors is when I'm casting. There's a lot of times where I will need to have a quiet line and a loud line. I For a while, I didn't have loud lines. And that turned out to be a big problem for mm -hmm. me. Because when I would hear a person, their voice register sounded great. Like their, their natural sounding aspects sounded great. But there was not a lot of range when they started yelling. Because they would either be in a space with a bunch of people who would get upset if they were yeah. yelling they were very timid or they just did not have the recording space to manage it. You have to get over that apprehension about that kind of thing and just walk up to them and say, I'm going to be yelling. I'm going to be screaming. Don't, don't panic. Nothing is wrong. No one is dying. <laughs> and 
you need to be willing to belt it out a little bit. Now, now keep in mind, if you are going to be belting it out, turn your the gain down on your on your on your monitor mm-hmm. for your microphone because you're going to mm-hmm. peak and it's going to like come off as like crackly and buzzy and that's not going to be great. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, don't. There's a lot to be said about taking a step or two back from from your microphone. Just remember, if you are in a recording space that that has hard surfaces around it you're going to have a little bit of reverb in it, which is going to sound like very boxy. Um, good ways to get around that is like, you know, put a blanket over your head or uh, give yourself a good treated space or even just like, just speak in an area where you can have the microphone down really low and you can just really belt mm-hmm. it out. But in terms of like the whisper screaming, yeah, that is absolutely a problem. And a lot of it really comes down to nerves. Yes. Um, because, like, honestly, like, a, a great practice that I've seen some people do, you know, as long as their their voice is warmed up enough, is the thing that Michael does every once in a while where people ask him to scream into the <laughs> void. Not that I'm asking you to do that right now, <laughs> mind you. I don't want to destroy your eardrums. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to destroy your throat, fa- your, your throat hole. My throat will be okay. <laughs> I screamed a lot. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, goodness. Uh, one thing that I notice helps, uh, one thing I notice a lot, because I've occasionally done casting calls myself, uh, is that, like, reading something aloud uh, and acting are kind of two different processes, and people can get to the point where you can read mm-hmm. something and act at the same time, but it's kind of like sight reading and playing the song at the same time, so, like, if you're just starting, oh, yeah. uh, one of my main tips, and it's how I kind of try to get that sort of improv naturalism into, like, scripted things, is I'll read the line, memorize it, and then say it without, like, looking directly at the script, because you kind of get a different tone if you're just, like, reading off a piece of paper, versus if you take your eyes off of the script, think, okay, I am this character, how yeah, are they feeling, it. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of live it more than read it. And uh, in, in a lot of the auditions I get, you can kind of tell someone's, like, reading a book report. It's like, no, you're <laughs> a character, so you get, get in character. <laughs> yeah, okay, very cool. So that, that's like what we said before about like committing to the bit, really, didn't we? Or like committing to the character that you're that you're getting inside of. Um, Lady Knives, have you caught yourself falling into any anything like that when you've been sending out any of your auditions? So yeah, I, I did want to mention about the uh, like the clipping, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. having like a good recording space and stuff. Like, so I record in a coat closet. It's, uh, I'm definitely not in there now. (laughs) It's a little (laughs) uncomfortable if I'm in there for too long, uh, but it works. I've I've been using that, like, actually I moved, so I've been using that space ever since. Um, And just, if, if you can just find, like, any hard surface and just cover it as much as possible. Um, Yeah, because every little thing... um, It'll, your voice is just going to bounce off of it. And it's really frustrating, but uh, yeah. yeah, like because it's a closet, there's like a bar above my head and I had to like cover that with like a, like a pillowcase basically <laughs> because every time I would like scream or yell or something, I'm just like, where is that coming from? So yeah, my microphone technique and just, Recording space is so so important. It is. I've oh, I've known podcasters who like <laughs> podcast in in a blanket over them. Like they've turned the camera on and they've had like two chairs and built like a little blanket fort, and that's where the podcast <laughs> from. What, what I, I used th- to have a PVC pipe 
fort that I used to like construct. <laughs> really, I, I also use I also use the fort method because uh, I have a loft bed uh, ah, okay. under which I have put my office. Uh, so what I did was I bought some sound blocking curtains uh, <laughs> from Amazon and some and some of those like uh, command hook hooks. Yeah, and uh, now I have this little modular. <laughs> So in a studio where I just hang the curtains up under my bed in a box shape. Nice. Wait, it works. And to be honest, command hooks sound cool, don't they? Command hooks. Yeah. They sound like they're command pretty Command hooks. <laughs> uh, it's good branding. It's really good branding. Is, but I'm yeah. very happy with it because I can like take it down, put it back up. Uh, it's very hot in there, but I, mm. I'm from Florida, so I survive. Yeah, you, you're used to it. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been doing the thing where I bought a bunch of uh, clips from Home Depot and a furniture pad and place them on the, the, the rail that I use for a closet mm -hmm. door and just make that like a curtain for my, my little voice acting <laughs> booth nice. off in the uh, the corner over here, <laughs> which you could see if uh, you were able to see right now. Uh, but it's it, it gets the job done. Like, I don't have any, like, uh, bad bassy... Oh. I don't have, like, a bass, tra bass going mm -hmm. on or I don't have any, like, really... Uh, boominess to my uh, <laughs> my my space or anything like that. It, it yeah. works, but I would very much like a yeah. proper sound booth one of oh, these that days. That would be lovely. But mm -hmm. that would that would be very very. Uh, <laughs> would, also, yeah. a thing on auditions before we switch off the topic is uh, read the how to send instructions and send yes. the file type that they want. Because mm -hmm. I've had people just send me YouTube videos of themselves <gasps> recording oh. the lines I've asked for, and I'm like, that is literally. Video. You've sent me video. I, I get audio. so much anxiety about the the requirements. I'm just like going over it several times. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I gotta make sure I got it correct. I can, I can definitely verify that uh, I have worked on at least like four other project, like audio drama projects, and they always. All the actors end up sending me completely different things, even though they've been working in the industry for a long time. <laughs> And I'm like, you know what? Okay, I will instruct them on how to do it, and I will have them try and go through it each time. But I always end up having somebody being like, yeah, I'm going to send you a stereo file. I'm like, I don't know that. <laughs> Auto file. Also, one guy sent me once a .ogg, a .og file, and I was like, you had to work. You had to work to find a program. <laughs> yeah, go out and find a way to find a program that exports in this. You had to do more than I asked for to export yeah. an .og, and it's less useful What's, to me. <laughs> What's funny is I think I know what happened. They probably did, like visual novel voiceover or something oh, it had to do an og yeah <laughs> probably <laughs> probably <laughs> that would make sense i've been wondering how they ended up with a dot og and that's probably yeah it. yeah <laughs> okay next question so this one comes from nox noxaminus noxaminius uh how did someone do casting for the mario movie was someone high we have covered that <laughs> at the start of the episode <laughs> so yes yeah. they were high <laughs> um, have a yeah. theory. So, something that I, I've been watching a lot of the way that Illumination does things for mm -hmm. a while now, and it's it's secretly brilliant. Okay, <laughs> it's not something I I, uh, I I I approve of, but it is secretly. We get our conspiracy mode on. Should so, I get like my foil hat out, Kennedy? <laughs> a big thing about a big thing about Illumination is that they are a company that their objective when making prop when making their films, at least from a production standpoint, is not uh, making a good no. film. It is about making money by making a really strong, high quality looking product 
for the least amount of effort. Yes. So they tend to cut a lot of corners. Uh, you'll actually notice this by by them purposely leaning into character designs that can be just recycled ad nauseum, such as the minions or even like the the five characters in the background of of uh, Sing. Yeah. Um, and where they where they end up saving money in the animation side of those kinds of things, they end up spending a little bit more on areas where they can appeal more to the lower common like lowest common denominator of the kind of demographic that they would want to appeal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, case in point, they would license out like popular music so that they can release a licensed uh, album of the music, such as what happened with Sing, and they did covers of that. Yeah. Um, they'll they'll cast celebrities so that their their celebrity talent can really draw in a crowd from that. And not that, only that. Which is a very cynical direction to mm -hmm. go in, but it does actually bring a return of interest in that regard on two fronts. One being, there's going to be some people out there that will inevitably go, oh my God, is that Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> playing the Grinch? Well, I gotta see this movie. And the other side of it of, can you believe Benedict Cumberbatch is playing the <laughs> Grinch in in this movie? Either way, they are getting your yeah, attention. Yes. And, uh... and you're you're ultimately going to end up watch like some people are ultimately going to end up watching it out of morbid curiosity in that Hate regard, watch. and that ultimately <laughs> plays to their favor. And, um, they don't care if their movie ends up being bad or good. There are people in Illumination that genuinely care about their craft, and they are genuinely talented. But from the business side of it, the 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 decision making side of Illumination, that's that's definitely where the yes. money is. And uh, another uh, to add to that, they often have advertising budgets that are the same, if not more, as the budget of the whole movie. Because Illumination, uh, for the Minions, the the advertising budget was almost the budget of the full movie. And uh, I think really? the current CEO of uh, Illumination Studios is Christopher Melendanry. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, mm -hmm. but he is such a business-minded person. Like he's <laughs> like he's an investment, put in money, get out money sort of guy. And he's been in the animation industry for ages. Got to start on DreamWorks. He actually worked at Blue Sky, but like jumped ship just before Disney ate it. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but like uh, he he is a very uh, very money on the table number go up sort of CEO. Yeah. So definitely all that plays through. That's a shame. It's a shame. Like intentionally inflammatory <laughs> stuff is a shame. But let's see how it goes. It might be all right. It could be all right. Charlie Day as Luigi, I am excited for just to hear him like nervously fumble through words like Luigi does. I'm uh, yes. I'm excited to see what maintain. the hell they do with Seth Rogen as Donkey. That Kong. too, yes, yes. That seems to be the, the least. Weirdest ca you know what and they're going to do with Michael Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. What are they going to do with him? Yes. It's going to be so like wild. I hope he has a really low voice, like something you really don't expect from such a small character. It's it's not going to be the same Mario. Not going to no, be that voice. Not, no. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> uh, right, so the next one is from Caligulus Armageddon's, and it says cake day, so I'm guessing it's his birthday. So happy birthday from all of us. Um, happy birthday! Hey, happy, birthday. happy birthday! Uh, <laughs> they said, is networking an important part of voice acting? Getting to know people in the field and such. Oh, 100%. Yes. 100%. Mm -hmm. A lot of the jobs I've gotten have been through networking and not through auditioning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it is. It is. You got this job through networking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing people is a really important thing. It's it. You know, it kind of sucks because I know that there are so many talented people mm -hmm. that um that are perfect for things 
that um you know don't really have the same opportunities just because they don't know the right people and i hate that but unfortunately <laughs> that's that's kind of kind of how a lot of things in the industry works is like just getting to know people making friends networking and yeah. uh, having people trust you that's yeah for that's sure a big uh, thing. yeah that, that's, sure. A, that's a, i'm glad you actually said that that's trust in who you're going to be working with is a massive thing isn't it michael mm -hmm. it's like I, I, exactly. It's very. It feels very insular, and when you're working in the industry, you can kind of feel it almost like a little bit clicky around you. But yeah. it's yep. it's a weird environment. Like I I got in. Sometimes it can be a little too clicky, and I agree. It can. <laughs> um, I don't I don't necessarily like it when things are too clicky because then it just feels you know a little weird. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's completely fine, and it's pretty normal um, for a lot of people to just you know rely on folks that they trust, that they've worked with before, that they know. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's very common. Yeah. It is, yeah. I want to let you in on a little bit of a... Trade secret? Uh, ...thing that I learned while I was doing the, the whole networking game for a while. Um, I've been doing this for about eight years now. Um, and I had the rare opportunity to get to go to a convention called Kid Screen. Okay. Now... Kids Screen was a, uh, basically it's a convention where animation studios come together and just sell each other products. Like they'll sell each other like shows or, or pitch things to each other and they'll like acquire their, their dance card for whatever show that they're trying, mm -hmm. whatever channel they're trying to distribute for. Um, it was a really great opportunity that allowed me the, the chance to go and like pitch my, my show Magus Elgar to a bunch of studios. And one of the things that was a very frequent aspect of that experience was the the business card shuffle. Mm -hmm. I, I ended up, the first couple of days, I had very shallow interactions with some people. And I would just give my card out, my business card out like candy. And they would give me their business card out like candy. And we'd have like maybe like a five minute conversation. Be like, oh, I do this. Oh, yeah, I do this. Well, let's talk sometime. Yeah, okay. And th that would just keep happening. And by the time I was done with the first day, I had a stack of 60 cards of, but my problem was is that I didn't remember a single person that I had gotten right. these cards yeah. from. I didn't remember any of their conversations. And it was it was just like such a, a single-minded, business-only experience that ultimately ended up Not very me. personable. On the other hand, mm. I got to meet... Um, I got to meet the uh, the CEO and creator of Outlook Studios, who were the guys that created Kulapari and the Frogs. Oh! And instead of me trying to like go out of my way to like just do the whole business card thing, I just hung out. Yeah. With them. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I wasn't trying to do any business thing. I wasn't trying to do anything really crazy with them. I was just spending time with them and their crew because they they seemed like nice people. I was really intimidated by the whole. I'm trying to pitch a cartoon and they got to know me. They got to see what I did. They got to, to hear about has been hotel and uh, the stuff that I was working on. Cause it was like really fresh. Like I, I, I just got off working on hell of a boss when I went to this right. convention. Um, and they wanted to eventually like the CEO of the, the company was like, I'd love to see your, your pitch. And he looks at it and he's like, Let's have a real conversation about this. Nice. What what really matters is that when you are getting to meet with these people in the in the industry, part of it is you want to build a more 
personable relationship with them. You want to find the people that you definitely gel with and would work well with. So when you are looking for that work, you're thinking about them and they're thinking about you. Oh, absolutely. A lot of times what I would end up doing uh, for my sound design work is I would cold call animators and say, hey, I did this animation. I'd love to work on yours. I wouldn't talk about like pricing or like throw my reel at them or anything like that. I would just be like, I really like yeah, your let's work. Let's do something. Oh, sure. yeah. Allow me the opportunity to help out or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. And and usually they'd, they'd be on board with it. That's how I got on board with uh, Satina. That's how I got on board with the Sojourn. That's how I got on board with uh, 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 Mayhem and, and even Farfetched, which is another project that I'm going to be working on uh, with... Uh, uh, Michael's significant other, oh, Ashley. Amazing. I didn't know you were doing that oh, as well. Lovely. And she's been helping us with like an animated like opening for uh, Clutch as well. Brilliant. Super fun. Nice. But yeah, I, I definitely agree because like the most uh, some of the most effective networking I've ever done is I would go to conventions and I would go to the game room and I would set up uh, a tiny dungeon table with like a little sign <laughs> that's like one shot tiny dungeon games takes about four hours if you want to sit down and play. And I would play uh, tabletop games with anyone who wanted to buy. And I met so many interesting people with so many unique projects. And uh, they do remember that more. And I think what you uh, have said boils it down to one of the things, to a Neil Gaiman quote that I tend to keep in mind. Uh, and it's for freelancers specifically. I think it's uh, from his series of talks about uh, making good art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it generally boils down to if you're working in a freelance world, generally uh, there's a certain amount of competition and you, like, you think, oh, your work has to be the absolute best. Uh, but just like that, uh, that little chart of like fast, good, cheap, whatever, there are really three things that boil down to freelance work. Uh, you can be extremely good, in which case people will forgive like uh, lateness, a bit of brusqueness if you're really, mm-hmm. really good. You can be really, really kind and nice to be around, in which case people will probably hire you more just because they enjoy your presence, mm-hmm. and they'll maybe forgive some of your foibles because you're super nice. Or you can be really, really fast, in which case you don't have to be nice at all. No, just <laughs> You also don't really have to be that good <laughs> if you can just turn in things on time. Yeah. Generally, you need to be two of these things mm-hmm. at the least. And yeah. generally, being kind and being at least a little good at what you do is enough. You don't have to be the best. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you have to just be, like, one of the two. Pick, pick two. Yeah, pick put two. experience points <laughs> over here and here. Choose, choose which yes. one you want. <laughs> Spec your leveling out. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I find, of the three, one of the most important ones is kindness. Because if you're genuinely a joy to work with, mm-hmm. if something happens to you and you can't do things on time... Or like, you know, you're busy or overwhelmed. If you're a kind person, people will give you a bit of leeway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think kindness gives you the most insurance in networking and just being a good, genuine person, not like a, hey, uh, have you followed me on Twitter? I'm trying to break 20,000 followers. That's yep. what I'm opening with. And being, <laughs> being around a lot of people um, that do like directing work for, for voiceover things and anime and stuff, I've like... It, if you're not a nice person, if you're like really like self-absorbed or something, uh, nine times out of ten, they're not really gonna want to work with you. No, exactly. Actually, not long form. I I confess, I have been accused of of being a little self-absorbed in that respect, but that's mostly because going back to the Mega Selgar thing. I, I have the uh, kid in a candy shop energy where I just want to share things yeah. all the time. And that comes off more like I'm caught up in my own stuff oh, rather than I'm passionate. No, no, not so. Yeah, like just just understand like there, there can be like moments where like if you're like really excited about something that you're doing, there there is a chance that you won't shut up. <laughs> like, the main thing I'm thinking True. about is when you are the type of person who like thinks that you are owed 
like work or yeah. old opportunities mm-hmm. when you really aren't right. Um, I like I think that people deserve the chance to be able to do things, but if you like feel entitled to things and if you you know have a big head about it, yeah. that can not really be the best yeah. mentality to have. And I find if you go into it with that big head, the diminishing returns hit you harder because if you're just starting, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're just starting out with voice acting or project making, <laughs> you're not gonna get very many views at first. It's gonna be like if you get seventy views on YouTube, you'll be lucky if you're starting from zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if exactly. you come in, if you come into it with that that feeling of entitlement and that feeling of being owed something, then that's gonna hurt, that's gonna smack you in the face a lot more. Uh, I find the energy that sees me through making projects nobody really wants to do is, isn't it amazing that we're on the internet and that even two people in like Sri Lanka can listen to a thing <laughs> I made at random and like leave a comment that they enjoyed it? Mm-hmm. Like I'd say, like I'd say as a content creator that's or nuts. anything, just like the fact anyone Anywhere in the world who has access to a computer can listen to the thing that you made and took the time to like give a like or a heart is amazing. Yeah, the fact that people is. can poke you to work on their projects is amazing. So any work you get is an act of cosmic serendipity and you should just <laughs> take so much joy in that. It's wonderful. Yeah. It is genuinely like heartening whenever somebody leaves a comment on one of your works or mm-hmm. something and they, they have something to say about it you like there is that little burst uh, of serotonin on, of approval of like okay I made something yeah. absolutely like, and on the on the subject of networking uh, the, the algorithm had a change recently as a lot of people have noticed and like um, when I went to college I took a I took a few courses in social media and things like that so when the algorithm changes I tend to notice and now the thing that is most valued uh, by a lot of algorithms is interaction and commenting. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things are being hidden by the algorithm a bit because people aren't interacting with them. They're just liking and going down. But when you interact with something, it bumps it up. Uh, so I made a note mm-hmm. in, of my brain to just comment on everything I like more than a certain amount. Yeah, so I, I read tons <laughs> of comments every day. And the amount to which people appreciate it is astounding like if you want to network you don't have to go to conventions you don't have to like travel around the world just comment consistently on the things you support yeah like that's a form of networking right there you don't have to spend a million dollars uh, one one of my biggest fans uh for magus elgar jonathan winstead who uh, eventually went on to make the excellent shadow remake and uh, uncharted the hidden Mm -hmm. kingdom um uh, he was commenting and talking about my work all the time because he loved everything that I was doing. And eventually I just, I end up meeting up with him in Boston. But I, I will I will give like a, a kernel of wisdom about the whole talking mm-hmm. with somebody um, and introducing yourself and getting to know them. The one big word of advice that I would recommend is don't approach somebody with the intention of talking to somebody yes. else. Yes. Mm, yeah. The... Case in point, I get I get messages every day of people who talk to me and say, "Hey, I like your work. Can you introduce me to Viv? Oh, or, or can you introduce that, me to uh, Hannah Daigle? Can you introduce me to Richard Horvitz?" Oof. And I'm like, I, I understand what you're trying to get at. I'm usually like very polite. Like, I, I that's not professional yeah. of me to do no. that. And I'll, I'll have to like very politely turn them down because that that's not how this works. But um, it, it's also like very, it's also a little discouraging. Like if you walk it up to somebody with the sole intention of just using them to get to yeah, somebody it's else. It's very plastic. It's, it, yeah. it's very noticeable and it's, it's not very fun and it's, it's a very mm-hmm. awkward affair. And it's, it, again, it's, it's like no hard feelings. It's just, if I had gotten, if I had spoken to my bosses and the people that I work for, 
about every single person that approached me that approached them uh, to in order to approach them, I would never get yeah. one. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I would just come off as like a, a shameless shill, yeah. If anything, but like at the same time, when you are talking with some other people, when you're working with them, and organically it comes up saying, "Oh, they're looking for work, or they're looking for some people," and you happen to be in that field, you can be like, "Well, I mean, I could, I, I, I could, could do that, <laughs> do something yeah. about that. I could help, maybe." Because that's exactly how I got on Hasbin Hotel. Is uh, my my animation team working on the animated version of Magus Elgar was talking to me about Hasbin Hotel. I asked them how was Hasbin Hotel doing because I was really excited about it, and they said, "Well, sound design uh, and the sound designer and the composer are the same person, so she's getting a little bit overwhelmed about that." And I'm like, "Well, I mean, you could always toss my <laughs> We could do something about that, perhaps. Yeah, let them contact you, kind of thing. Yeah." Uh, don't 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 be afraid to ask if they look like they mm-hmm. need the help, but also don't go out. Don't like contact somebody within within the sphere of their influence to get into uh, that point. Like that's just not. It's rude. This is not going to work. Honestly, it's very um, rude indeed. Never fun. No, never fun. Any other thoughts on networking? Anyone else wants to throw in there? Just be a nice person. Mm-hmm. Make sure that all of your communications with people that you try to network with are natural and that you're not, you know, trying to be too pushy because that'll push them away. Um, you know, just just treat others like like human beings and like you just want to talk yeah. to them and just hang out. For sure. And um, let things happen naturally. Yep. You know? Yeah, just be yourself. That's, that's the best way be to handle it. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. And for those, for those of you who feel like that you're going into this, uh, like you have to be manipulative and like play this game to dance around to get people to connect with you, Understand that everybody else kind of walked into this worried that they're going to have to do that. But if you walk in with an open hand saying like, look, I know we're doing the marketing thing. I'm not really like attaching my personality to this. They kind of understand it as well. Like, okay, yeah, we can talk business and very casually and stuff like that. Just, just don't make it a thing where like you have to be like really, you have to get into your head that you have to be really underhanded about oh, this. And kind also, of thing. the thing about it is like after a certain, it's not, it's not even that high a bar of popularity, but after like a certain bar of popularity, uh, the people who make things run into that sort of plastic person all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like if that's how you open the door, that's how they're always going to remember you. But if you just like happen to have pancakes at IHOP, <laughs> <laughs> if they need work down the line, they're going to remember the person they had the heart attack pancakes with. Yes, yes. <laughs> or whatever. It's like, even if even if the first time you meet someone, you don't really make strides in networking, if you're not trying to force that square peg into the round hole, they're going to remember you better. Totally. So, like, totally. generally, if you if you go in with that kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, Azula from Avatar energy of, I shall become the best voice actor in the world, introduce me to Steven Spielberg, they're like... <laughs> No one wants to hang out with Azula. Everyone wants to hang out with Aang. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you know, it's an obvious route. So, Caligulus, if you take anything from that, go for birthday pancakes and take someone yes. cool and be yeah. yourself. Basically. Yeah, yeah, be yourself, be yeah. kind, be genuine, and uh, be as professional as you know how to be. But yeah, ultimately, just be be kind. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. the big thing to take away. And, and don't take it personally if they end up like not responding or, or don't yeah. gel with you or whatever. It's just it does. Yeah, if someone doesn't respond for two hours, don't be like, "Hello?" Question mark. Yeah, just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. This comes from Yaquin Augustus, which is a fucking great name. Um, oh, fantastic! Yeah, great, isn't it? Uh, so 
This person says, I work on the official Spanish dub of the series that Michael is currently working on. Uh, my question is, does he prefer voice acting or dubbing? Do I, oh, definitely voice. Like, you're talking about prelay or dubbing. Definitely prelay, because <laughs> prelay allows for more freedom. Um, Do you want to define what that is, just for anyone who doesn't know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So prelay is when you are doing the voice for a project and it's not yet animated. And uh. you're basically just voice acting. You have the freedom to adjust the timing, adjust the pacing and uh, the tone, however you want, the emotion, however you want. Um, and obviously with direction, yeah. of course. Kind of like um, an audio storyboard then. The animators will then animate to the voice acting that you provided there. Whereas with dubbing, there's like a finished thing that you're already looking at that you just have to match lip flaps to. Ah, so like okay. anime mm -hmm. or, or like foreign movies that you're dubbing over, um, that'll be ADR where you'll just have to match the, um, for anime in particular, you'll have to match the Japanese mouth movements and um, you know you have to pay attention to that and that'll, that'll uh, affect your read because obviously you'll be thinking about wanting to fit the flaps and uh, that might you know, affect That's an unusual term. Make it sound a little <laughs> less natural compared to mm -hmm. when do, <laughs> exactly, uh, fit yeah. the flaps. Uh, whereas when you're doing prelay, which is, you know, your voice and your acting and your motivations and choices um, come first, you don't have to think about that. You can just mm -hmm. go. And uh, I prefer that, though I do also love dubbing because I like a challenge. And that is, that can be more challenging sometimes. Yeah, it looks hard. Because you have to actually pay attention. Yeah, because I, I, you notice um, in a lot of like English dubs of like Japanese shows, the lines are often very, very different, aren't they, to make it fit? Um, they they mm. usually rewrite it yeah. um, to to help yeah. with the lip flaps, but also for the timing and and the intention. Right, like you want to keep um, for most dubs, they want to keep the intention the same, but they'll change the wordage and the phrasing to make it fit the mouth flaps. That way, it looks natural when spoken in English. Um, one thing. Sorry, oh no, ahead, no, go you ahead. go ahead, Kennedy. Uh, something that I would really love to to draw someone's attention to in terms of like the voice acting for like a dub yeah. of something um, is there are two shows that are worth watching um, to get an idea of how much a director can influence a voice director can influence the dub of a of a production. Um, the two examples that I would I would present is. Um, the most recent Star Wars shorts, uh, called Visions, they had a dub of um, one called The Twins, which mm -hmm. was made by Trigger. And the voice director did not sound like he had a lot of experience with with du with dubbing from, from an anime. Because they got Neil Patrick Harris, who is a phenomenal voice actor, and he's, he, he's struggling to keep up. Oh, okay. Because uh, he's he's like doing a lot of exposition, and he 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 keeps losing the the character he's trying to play as, and because there is just not a lot of time for them to have experience with that kind of thing, Neil Patrick Harris does not have a lot of experience with anime as much either, so that lends a lot to it. Conversely, if you watch um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh. Kellen Goff uh, plays uh, uh, Diavolo, like the, one of the main villains in the show. And his voice, with the direction that they gave him, like carries that performance so well. 
even though there, there's like a very limited limited time for him to do the voice and 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 carry it out, it, it like really leaves an impact. Uh, same goes for like um, what was it? Uh, the dub for B stars. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 directing and the voice actors have like such a great cohesion with one another that their performances really sing, even though it is not. It's something that they're trying to tailor to 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 the dub that's being presented there. Like there's no editing in in uh, anime. Like they don't they don't m- uh, manipulate the lip flaps like Team Four Star or something like that because that does run the risk of disrupting the integrity of the original mm-hmm. production. And also because usually with anime dubs, um, they have, um, for the Blu-ray and DVD releases, it's dual audio, so they want to keep the source video the same. That way people mm-hmm. can easily switch between English and Japanese um, without it being too different. So manipulating you know, the visuals can, can affect the Japanese audio track. Okay. So just And the timing and the sound mm-hmm. design, yeah. too. Yeah, it can indeed. Uh, right, our next question comes from... Crazy T. Crazy T. And this one's for Kennedy. It says, what is the coolest technique or piece of tech that you've added to your toolbox that you can't wait to try next? I just got my hands on a Roly Lumi, which is a light-up keyboard that teaches me how to play piano and also serves as a MIDI controller. I've never gotten to work with MIDI controllers before, uh, because the closest thing that I had was this uh, ludicrous uh, synthesizer that weighs about <laughs> 20 pounds and makes a bunch of great noises with it. And I can press all these wonderful buttons and stuff, but it does not really communicate very well uh, with MIDI. So mostly I just have it make like a bunch of warps and plonks okay. and points. For, for fun, but the, the Roly Lumi that I have is like this really cool light-up keyboard um, that I can synchronize with uh, Pro Tools to not only uh, create music and, and, and make instruments with that, so I might experiment with music at some point, but also it would allow me to enable a program that allows me to uh, sync up sound effect libraries to my keyboard to do synchronized, uh, uh, to, to do like uh, Foley passes with just like playing key, uh, keys on the uh, on the instrument. So I can do like a uh, generated Foley nice. uh, right in my studio instead of having to go to a, uh, a dirt pit in Hollywood to record or <laughs> have me uh, recording like eight or nine times and then just like uh, managing all of the the sound effects frame by frame like yeah, I normally that's do. That's a great way to do it. I can see why you're so excited to use it. Also, it's an excuse for me to make like stupid songs if I ever get well, the chance to and, and practice yeah. piano. <laughs> it lights up and <laughs> light, light up things are amazing. They make everything so much better. Uh, any of you lovely, lovely voice actors have got any, any techniques you've come up with for new voices or anything that you're excited to try? Hmm. Uh, That's a hard one. I know. I just threw I don't that. No, actually. Well, uh, <laughs> on 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 the uh, technology side of things, uh, recent usually I use uh, a Focusrite Scarlet thing mm-hmm. for my interface. Uh, and currently, Same. I'm using a shotgun. Yeah. Same. Currently, I'm using a shotgun mic. I got to yeah. clear it myself. Uh, it's a Sennheiser MKE 600 or whatever. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I found uh, was really annoying me in early audio recording work was the sound of my computer in the background. Ah, yes. Uh, and I'm like, growl, hiss, boo. How can I record Sans' computer? And then a friend of mine gave me uh, a Tashcam. 
which cool. is a little little box uh, thing that has like its own stereo microphone. So it's a pretty useful microphone for Foley design in general. Uh, but beyond that, it's an audio interface. And it can run cool. almost any uh, XLR microphone off of batteries. Uh, so I find that I could use all of my fancy microphones without, u- without having my computer on. Uh, so I don't have to edit out the hiss later. I can just edit out like any other Atmos, but like the computer hiss in the background is gone. Uh, the drawback being I can't really edit the the long form audio on the fly as I can mm-hmm. if my computer is on. But like if I don't know my computer is particularly chugging and I can't figure out why or that's been a problem I've been having recently, mm-hmm. I Same. just shut down the computer entirely. I use the <laughs> use the dash cam as my interface. Uh, plug it into whatever microphone I'm using, and it's way quieter, and I have to do Amazing. a little bit less work on the back end. Yeah, that sounds great. We've, I've had a little bit of experience with that uh, recording at Comic-Con one year. We did take one, have it in like your back pocket, and then you can just run cables yes. kind of thing. They're, they're much, much handier. It's handy. great if you're traveling. Yeah, they really are. I'm very tempted to get on. <laughs> I actually have one myself. Uh, it's a, uh, Mine's a Zoom H4M. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're very good, too. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the fun thing about it is that, like, with that microphone, I can attach a, a shotgun microphone to it because I've got an Audio-Technica yes. boom mic. Yeah. You can attach any mic. And I just go out to, like, I just go out to the beach or, like, uh, I go out to the streets and I, I record sound effects with just this holding out and then uh, pointing it at people. And I can even, like, get, like, uh, ADR and stuff from it. I'm actually going to be doing a production sometime in January where I'm going to be going on Route 66 oh, cool. and recording a audio drama uh, on Ooh. location in oh, all of wow. the places along Route 66. Yes, and Tashcams cool. are really good for that specifically. Also, if you're looking to save money, uh, a Tashcam, uh, at least the handheld ones, are often cheaper than like Focusrite interfaces or things like that. So if you're looking to get started and you're looking to like play around with XLR mics and you've been having trouble with computer buzz, uh, it might be a good mm-hmm. investment. Although it uh, it does only take uh, XLR microphones, USBs. You do have to have uh, a computer or a different kind of portable interface. But mm-hmm. it's it does have a built-in microphone, but I, no. I wouldn't personally recommend it because no. you'll end up getting a lot of... When you're working. Oh, yeah, you're a lot recording. of things. Also, if you have to hold the thing, God help you. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, uh, it's good to get a microphone with it. But actually, the microphone it comes with is not terrible. I will use it for Foley on occasion. Uh, just because it's, like, uh, such a small device, you can, like, get it into weird spaces. Uh, so, yeah, it's, if you're looking to get into uh, sound design or even recording, a Tashcam. Mm-hmm. I think the one I have is, like, uh, a Tashcam DR05X or something like that. Uh, really good. Uh, that's that's my advice, <laughs> technique-wise. Very cool. Thank you very much. And uh, Kennedy, I can see you could just put a picture in the chat as well. Is that where you're lay right now? Are you by? Are you by the pool? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, I that, that was just me. I, that's the only picture I have of the Lumi keys. Uh, there was a brief period where I I focused a little bit on some work life balance. I can see. And a friend of mine invited me to Maui, so I spent an evening uh, learning how to play the piano beachside. Awesome. If you if you don't mind, the, I, I'd the, like the, to that put Roley that picture. Keyboard allowed me to do that, and it was really it was a really like unforgettable experience. I bet, so. I bet. If you don't mind, I'd like to put that picture in the YouTube video just to show the viewers. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, Here, I'll send a picture of my booth. I don't have anything exciting and new. But here's <laughs> just a picture of my recording space. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Nice. God, that is such a oh, sexy. I, oh I love God. the color of the phone. I'm so jealous. You. <laughs> No, that, I love the colored foam. All I've got, 
I can't even I can't even stand up in my booth because it's got like a a, a shelf or whatever. I have on to top sit when like I record I ever... as well because the um, the acoustics from sitting position are much better than they are standing position in that booth. Oh so, really? So everything I record, I have to do sitting down, um, which to some people have been. Um, I've been surprised at how loud I've gotten while sitting down because some people just can't do it. I've had to force myself to learn how to project while sitting down. Oh, man. It's a good skill uh, to have. Oh, I've never uh, had that problem. That's from being a gamer <laughs> shouting at games. I've never had that problem either, thankfully, but like, I just know there are some people that cannot do it. Oh, yeah. I have a hard time with it. Fortunately, with my booth, like I said, I have the loft bed here, uh, and the, the other curtain... The other curtains aren't set up, but I can set a curtain across the back and a curtain across the other two walls to make a perfect square. So whenever I need to record, I roll the chair out of my office, yeah. which is under my bed because I'm a monster, I guess. Uh, and, and then I just stand in there with the, with the curtains and it helps. Hey, you're preaching to the choir here, Cordell. My bed is right there and this is where I record. <laughs> I can literally tip back. <laughs> just fall back into bed. Yeah. I finally got myself like my own office space for this kind of thing, and I, I'm embarrassed to admit that I've treated my recording, retrieved my recording space like an afterthought yeah. because it's just this tiny little hole in the back. <laughs> there's a little microphone over there. It's, yeah. it's cute. It works. It's like a little it bit works. of a there's a little bit of a standy that I can I can put my iPad on to read takes or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, my my booth is almost impossible to take a picture of because you guys just mm -hmm. would not be able to know what the heck you're looking at because <laughs> it's just it's just like a jumble of like clothes and blankets <laughs> i have to like crawl in into the space in order to record um but yeah i i use a tablet to record i know that's probably like a really basic thing to say but like i basically have yeah, my my laptop outside of the booth and i just have okay. a uh a tablet inside and that helps a lot with like you know reducing fan noise and all that and yeah. it's yeah. it's just so nifty mm. oh my god but yeah <laughs> i had I had a laptop that I used to use um, in that booth, but then I decided I'm gonna just spend a lot of money and get a Mac just for voice acting, <laughs> which is probably a mistake, but at least it won't be as loud, <laughs> so I did. And You know, you could always just like, you could have always just gotten a monitor and fed it in there. I could have. Well, here's the thing, is I started doing anime dubbing um, when I got the Mac, and I just, I was using Source Connect. I don't know if you've ever worked with Source Connect at all. Um, I. I, you know, I got to do a trial, but I never got a chance to, like, work it properly. So I was using Source Connect, and thankfully I wasn't having many issues, but every now and again I would have dropouts, which is normal for people doing anime and Source Connect and whatnot. Um, I just, you know, I'd heard that people with Macs tend to have a better experience with that, and uh, with, with Source Connect, and just audio drivers in general on Mac are way better than they are on Windows. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I'll just get a Mac, and I'll have it for the future. Maybe it'll be useful, I hope. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't make any noise. Like, the fan inside is honestly dead silent. There's no noise that comes it's out of it. It's so shocking, isn't it? That's been good. It's yeah. it's like, uh, I, I used to edit everything on my gaming laptop. All the podcast stuff, all the video stuff. Mm -hmm. And ev every single edit I would do, my laptop is like taking off the desk. It sounds like a small <laughs> helicopter. And now I edit absolutely everything on, on this. And it is silent. It can edit four lines of like 4K video and all the audio tracks are each like two or three gigs a piece and it Goodness. doesn't even heat up. You it's amazing. Are... I think it's, 
I think it's because of like the what the the type of metal they're using, but also like they're having it double as a form of heat sink. Yeah, yeah I think so. Mm-hmm. Where like the even distribution helps. It you guys are selling it yeah. on a tablet because I just usually because uh, my microphone stand has like a little phone holder, and I'll usually just put my phone uh-huh. in there and read off it. But sometimes the text is so tiny. I'll have to like lead in and yeah. squint. And I've been like, all for, that the zooming. Time, for the longest time, I've been like, do I need to buy a magic screen? But I... <laughs> a few years ago, a few years ago, when I lived uh, back at my mom's house, um, I, I recorded inside of. So I moved from my bedroom down mm-hmm. into the basement because the basement had this little cellar that just was so, like, there's so much stuff in there. That it was like really perfectly isolated and like the, the sound, there's no reverb. So I was like, this is a new recording space. And yes. so I just moved all my stuff down to the basement. And I just, I had a huge, like, I had a long XLR cable that ran from my laptop in the other room into the cellar. I literally just had a mic stand, the microphone, um, and uh, I had like the interface ran that ran through like, uh, it was, it was by my computer, so unfortunately, I could only like I had to run out to adjust the gain, which kind of sucked. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I um, I just had my phone for scripts, and I just stood in front of that microphone. There was nothing else in there. That was art. That feels archaic to me now. But, yeah, it's bad bones. I mean, I mean, there was only the only downside that you had in that experience was that you had to develop a relationship with the spectral hand that kept tapping your shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I th- I think for me the. The best thing about having the tablet in the booth is that um, because I screen share it with my laptop so I can see if I'm clipping. Um, whereas like back then mm-hmm. it was like, OK, well, I'm going to test this out and then I'm going to go back out into the booth and see if I clipped or not or if it's too quiet. And it was just this like really tedious back and forth, back and forth. Um, but now I don't have to do that anymore. So it's really nice. Okay, yeah, you sold me. Great. Next windfall, I will buy a magic screen. It's it's yeah. so worth it. <laughs> it. It is. It is handy. Uh, our final question comes from Minnesota, and he says, this one's aimed at Michael. This says, did you have a lot of say in how Angel Dust acts and interacts with the other characters in what we've seen so far of Has Been Hotel? No. I, nope. <laughs> um, no. I I followed the script pretty verbatim for the most part. Um, I was, uh, for me, um, this was my first really big thing that I'd worked on that was okay. like animation when I uh, when I got cast. So yeah. I didn't really want to try and intrude and like make mm-hmm. decisions on the character for Viv or Dave because Dave was doing the voice directing with uh, with Vivian for me. Dave Captiville. Yeah. Um, we um, I basically hopped in the call. We um, we had I think it was a one and a half hour session um we just made sure the voice was correct um i just um went along with the script and did you know three to five takes of each line um there were some lines where i like tweaked them maybe a little bit i can't remember exactly but for the most part i just followed the script there was one line of improv that i know i um i had okay which was um in the middle of the limo scene uh, in the middle of the pilot, mm-hmm. which is, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact line. I can't even remember why it was said. I think that Viv was describing what the demons in hell look like. Oh, the <laughs> Hol- oh, Holocron God, babies. Yeah. Describing what the demons in hell look like. And so I just off offhandedly said, I got a bunch of fucking Harlequin babies down here. 
just said something like that, and it got used in the final for some reason. Yeah, I used. I think I what? I didn't even like do multiple takes of it. It was just a one. I said it once as a joke, and it got used. So great. Um, but yeah, otherwise, no, I didn't really do have any involvement in how Angel spoke to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as dialogue goes, um. We um we all worked together on making sure that like the way that I said things to each character sounded natural and fit and uh, yeah. you know was in character for Angel. But uh, as far as dialogue goes, I didn't really have any say on how that okay. went. Very yeah. cool. Conversely, um, when I was working with Viv, uh, she she gave me free reign to do whatever the heck I wanted on the sound design. <laughs> When we sat down, uh, she she said, "Yeah, I don't really have like a, a clear idea of what I want, but like let's talk it out and figure out what we're going to do." And I just threw every batshit insane idea that I could think of at her as I was doing this, and I went way above and beyond what I would normal what was no, could probably considered reasonable in some cases. Yeah. <laughs> but when when I came in with the with the. Uh, with the production and she got to listen to it. She's like, you've actually made me like fall in love with this production again. Cause she'd been listening. She'd been watching the animation with no audio or anything like that. Or like just the dialogue for like almost a year and a half and was starting to get like sick of it. But once she listened to the sound design cut again, she's like, Oh God, I feel like I'm, I'm experiencing this for the first time again. It's amazing. Yeah. Like a big refreshing (laughs) of the project. Nice. Nice. So any of you guys, um, do you, do you prefer having a lot of freedom with your characters or do you prefer like a more um, ironed out direction with, with what lines? I think what I really liked, um, at least in, in this production for Clutch, I remember mm-hmm. one of the readings, one of the live readings we had, um, Kennedy had me and Husky basically straps um, um, previous uh, voice actor. Um, he had us like read through the script like a a couple times and then I think it was like on the third time or so he had us go through it again, but basically add whatever improv we wanted to like in between or like just anywhere throughout the line. And I actually really found, like I found out that I really liked that. Um, and I do agree that it very much adds like this really natural flow to the line instead of it being just like, Okay, here's my line. <laughs> oh, Daphs, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Um, nice. as, far, as far as I go, uh, generally, I try. I, I tend to say I'm very gooey. I just tend to fit whatever mold you need me to be in. <laughs> so, like, if the director sort of wants, like, okay, take it in whatever direction you want, I'm like, oh, okay, yay, woo, we'll go this way. But, like, if they have a very specific vision, uh, then, like, I'm like, okay, fine, just, like, send me examples of what mm-hmm. you want, like, mannerisms you might like to include, and I will try to, like, iron down a little profile for it. So I can go either way. There's, there's, there's something rewarding about either, A, handing in something where you've been given free reign and being told you've done a good job, or mm-hmm. being handed a very specific checklist and nailing every check mark. both yes, of them. Yes, I agree. Yeah, both own. really satisfying. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How, At the like, end of the day... When it comes... Oh, no, go on. Uh, when, it, when it comes to the characters that I end up writing and, and developing, because I'm, like, both the writer and the voice director, I have a very, like, very narrow idea of what it is that I have in mind and what I want to do yeah. with them to an almost, like, sur- to almost, like, surgically precise uh, mannerisms on how they do their wording for their, for their phrasing and stuff. But the way that I've kind of eventually uh, found myself uh, directing and guiding these people is... I, I give them a full picture 
but with flat colors. And okay. I walk up to them and say, shade this picture. That's a great analogy. So I, I have a clear idea of who the character is, how they want to speak, but I also allow them the freedom to, like, how do you want to port... Like, what light do you want to portray them in? Okay. What color palette do you want to use? I, 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 want, I, I allow them to flavor what the, the very, very clearly established base that I have for them. And if they have ideas of, like, an improv that they go in a direction that I find really exciting, mm -hmm. I end up going back and, like, adjusting a lot in favor of it. Okay, very cool. So let, let's, um, let me um, ride that, 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 that question with a little extra question saddle. Um, <laughs> with any, any, any of you voice actors, let's, let's go, go with you first, Cordell. Um, how do you nail a character's shading, as Kennedy puts it? Like, so when you come to sort of create a character that you're going through, is there any advice that you can give to new uh, voice, um, voice well, artists? Well, when I, when I make a character, generally uh, I like to start with a very vague impression and then in my head or on like a <laughs> writing down document, I'll put them in situations and then kind of see what happens. Like if I want to make a character, okay. I'll be like, okay, you're a chef. Oh no, somebody's injured and need ba and needs band-aids because you're in the kitchen. Are you the kind of person who knows where the band-aids are? Because that kind of person talks different from the kind of person who works in the kitchen. And doesn't yeah, know yeah. Where the band-aids are. For so some like, reason, my first thought went, "Oh God, they're bleeding!" Like she's like yes, straight exactly. away. <laughs> like the kind of character that panics immediately and would kind of be like, um, "Oh God, you're bleeding! Uh, uh, band-aids. We need band-aids immediately." Uh, would be very, very different from the character who's like, um, "Oh, oh dear, I'm sorry. You've got a cut on your hand. Uh, I'll, I'll go over to the to the to the drawers and we'll get that fixed up in a jiff." Like you know, uh, like how yeah. a character responds to a, a scenario very much informs the kind of person they are. So like, I I got into the bad habit of saying, "I seem like the kind of person who would have X Y Z." Do I? And then, like, opening my bag and seeing if I have something. Like, I seem like the kind of person who has gum on them. I do. Yeah. Yay. And I kind of took that, and uh, depending on, like, that's why I like having, like, a full picture of the character, like Kennedy said, because it kind of really mm -hmm. informs you. You can kind of logic out how they would react to other scenarios based on, like, their past, their uh, introvert, extrovert, uh, are they prepared or unprepared. <laughs> Sort of thing. Okay. Like, yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. like, for Angel Dust, Angel Dust doesn't know where the band aids are. Why would they know where the band aids are? Yeah. Do I give a shit where the band aids are? Fucking help yourself. Exactly. Other people get Angel <laughs> Dust Angel. the band aids. But, like, yeah. uh, Book, for instance, Book knows where the band aids are. He's read a book all about <laughs> band aids. Do you want to know about the origin of band aids? What are you talking about? He's got a fan. He's probably got a fanny pack exactly. with. <laughs> Band-Aids and exactly. hand sanitizer and yeah. and granola bars because oh. you're on an adventure and exactly. he's a good parent. mom friend. <laughs> and you gotta kind of, and if you know that thing about a character, and if you want, that's my best advice, especially if you want to do improv with a character, because you kind of have to have a baseline of what they would do in a given situation to be able to leap off from that point. So if you're a voice actor, like take the base information about a character and think, what would they do in XYZ? scenario and then maybe kind of just talk to yourself you'll sound like a crazy person uh but i find it <laughs> talking useful. to yourself is honestly the best thing you can do as a voice actor because mm -hmm. it just allows you to play yeah. like you sound crazy <laughs> and like honestly if you if you have to do it in like your car or in like a space where no one can hear you do it yeah like yeah. It, it it might you might seem like you're insane like you, you might think you're going cuckoo but <laughs> honestly it's like it's it's good exercise for your voice, good exercise for just characterization. It's just fun. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Yeah, like if you're in the car by yourself, just like 
and you need to nail out a voice, just like improv to yourself. It'll help you loads. Also, I do that shit in the shower. Oh, for yeah. sure. The shower's got great acoustics, especially if you want to play like a dragon yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Nice. Yeah. Have you got any thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. gonna agree with uh, with Coddle that um, yeah, if you basically you know go off like the bullet points of a character, like the thing that I do mm-hmm. is just, I guess it's kind of like. Uh, exactly what was mentioned earlier, but like I like to think of like situations. It's like okay, like how would this character act in this situation? And and I'm I'm pretty sure this is said a lot in terms of like voice acting in general. Um, but as like mm-hmm. a voiceover artist, like you really have to use your imagination like a lot. And um, if you could just imagine this character in a certain situation, like it would, it would help so much um, in in your performance. And even if you gotta like close your eyes in the booth, <laughs> but but it also, like I said before, like the physicality of that character helps tremendously as well. Oh, it really sure. does. The best, most comprehensive characters that you can think of can be put into any situation, any scenario. And make that situation more yes. interesting mm-hmm. to speculate they're on dynamic. what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if, yeah. like if you just have like a generic knight being put into like a modern day setting, you're like, well, I mean, it's just a knight. But if you put book in like a a a Barnes and Noble, where some of the stuff that they have there is digital, book would probably <laughs> would probably lose it for a brief <laughs> moment. You mean the book? Books without books? That's sacrilege. What 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 dark magic is this? <laughs> <laughs> like the most important thing I think for adding like, you know, shading and whatnot mm-hmm. to a character and to a performance is to make sure that you're actually having fun. I think that's yeah. the literally the biggest thing is making sure that you are into it and that you feel it and that you know what's going on and that you're enjoying what you're doing. Um <laughs> Especially, like, maybe if you're, like, Soldier B in a script, maybe you don't have to have as much fun because they're probably yeah. not going to be having as much fun. But if you're, like, a character that's, you know, very invested in a scene, very involved, like a main character, for instance, you want to make sure you're having fun. For sure. And yeah, that you're totally. around people that make you feel comfortable. For sure. Have you got any thoughts, Michael, about how, how to create more dynamic characters? Any other tips you'd like to give? Oh, it's basically everything that Coddle said is perfect. You know, about oh. just um, just having the checklist, making sure that, you know, you know your character and you know how they react to certain situations. That's, like, the most important thing. And, and, you know, just making sure that you are into it. You know your character. You know what you're doing. You're not tr- – you're not um, – I think it's fine to break the mold a little bit um, with a character because, like, it's fun to experiment and see, like, how far you can take things in character. Um, mm-hmm. but you definitely don't want to lose the essence of who that character is. You don't yes. want to like break, mm-hmm. like like let's say let's say you took a character who's like very wholesome and optimistic. You don't want to make them really bitter and mean because yeah. that just isn't them at that point. Unless it's like a scene where like something breaks or something and they <laughs> need to, but that's not common. So it's you, you want to make sure you're you're staying true to the essence of the character you're playing. Yeah, you don't want to come in and, like uh, I love gardening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. oh God, I love these exactly. <laughs> um, But no, I think that everything that Coddle said is basically, you know, verbatim what I think too, yeah. as far mm-hmm. as um, as far as how to make sure that you are perfectly into characters, just having the checklist and uh, making sure that you know your character. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and try to maintain that as much as possible. 
for sure. And make sure this is this is a little like smaller thing, but if you're doing a voice for a character, like you're putting on a voice, make sure it's a voice that isn't gonna like fail on harm you, you long term oh. or isn't gonna yeah. like fail on yeah. you. Because like imagine that you're recording a character and they've got a very specific voice that's like at the tip top or tip you know bottom of your range. Yeah, you might have to do that voice for like four hours. Yeah, in a, like long term. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's worth painful. it. It's yeah. not worth it. Just, just stay, just stay in what's comfortable. That's another re reason talking yeah. to yourself comes in handy because you can find out what's comfortable for you off work time. Because yeah. you don't want to like yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I actually, I had a brief moment where uh, I had somebody ask me to provide a monster voice for a horror film that I'm designing. Um. And one of the things that they wanted was they wanted something like that was very like guttural and bestial, and I I only did that voice for about two and a half minutes of just like a lot of like screeching and unnatural human sounds because I do a lot of like really good creature sounds. Mm -hmm. um, but while I was doing that, I I end up having a crisis occur <laughs> because as I was reaching the la my limits, my gag reflex locked. Oh, no. <laughs> What does that entail? And I'm like, oh god, I need to throw up right now, and I can't. Oh my, oh my god. Um, so like, I, I like ran downstairs, and I was like drinking water. I had to drink water for like 15 minutes straight to to get my throat to <laughs> relax. But it was, it was, it felt like the throat equivalent of lockjaw. Oh, wow. Awful. Oh my god. Uh, also, this is another slight tech tip, but I I installed <laughs> this recently. Uh, in my house, and I, because a lot of people, you know, with this economy, you're living with housemates if you're trying to record. Uh, and one thing that a friend got me uh, to help with that, speaking of like random horrible accidents where like people think you might be dying, uh, I bought this little, uh, well, I, a friend bought me this little sign. Uh, and, oh, nice. and, and it's, yeah, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's, it's pricier than it ought to be, to be honest. It's like 60 bucks. Yeah. Uh, but it's got a little RFI remote, so it'll go through walls. Uh, and I hung it up outside cool. of my little outside of my section of the house, uh, and it has color settings. Uh, and because my housemates, because you know the pandemic and everything, have been perhaps mm -hmm. a hair needy here and there, which is fine because I'm also because <laughs> everyone's a hair needy right now. But like, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. but sometimes I'm like, I need to get a lot of work done, and like, if you knock, you might mess up uh, a take or whatever. So when this sign is on and is red. <laughs> I am not dying. I am doing work. And, yep. and unless it is an emergency, you should not come in. Uh, so uh, and that sign is on right now. So no one interrupts me doing this podcast. Amazing. And it's been amazingly useful. It's so specific. Uh, but it is, I'll, yeah. I'll make sure to stick it on the camera as well so people can see if that's okay. Yeah. And, I'll, uh, and if folks are interested, I'll provide uh, our lovely host with a link. I, I, I haven't been paid by you. this side company <laughs> I just find it not really sponsor. It's not a sponsor. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I think that brings us pretty nicely to the end of the show, as we are at like two hours and forty minutes. My lovely, lovely guests. Wow. Oh I know. Podcasting is a hole to fall down, <laughs> and it is lovely every single time. Does anyone want to tell us a little, a last clip about the show, like where we can listen and watch. Yes, uh, Clutch a Cobalt Story is a fantasy comedy mm -hmm. that takes place in the same universe as Magus Elgar, many years in the past. It stars three kobolds who go on an adventure to try and find a new dragon master after they accidentally kill their old one. Uh, there uh, are three uh, kobolds are Strap the Trap Maker, uh, Nom the Helther, and Book the Booker. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, as they uh, go and try to find a, a new dragon master after their uh, old one, the benevolent Gaujinvor, the Crimson, uh, contracts a case of uh, the not alive. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That sounds amazing. If you want to listen to uh, Clutch a Cobalt Story, uh, if you look up Clutch a Cobalt Story on YouTube, uh, we have a preview available that's about six minutes in length. That was the pitch that I ended up sending to BBC. Uh, we have a Twitter, if you go to Clutch Cobalds, which, which is Clutch Cobalt with a Z at the end. Uh, you could see little bits of artwork by our phenomenal artist, um, among other things, if you uh, we're, we're going to be announcing the Kickstarter very soon. We just need to get all of like all the the paperwork and and artwork and assets all figured out before we like give a proper announcement date. Okay. Um, but if you decide to back us on day one, you can get a commemorative pin of Strap the Trap Maker. Uh, which is going to be made by Wizard Pins. Awesome. Uh, and we also have lots of other nifty backing rewards, such as uh, little USB sticks uh, that will have the entire show, early access to the show. Uh, you can have the opportunity to be drawn as a kobold by by our artist. Very cool. Um, and our uh, a few of our uh, actors here will be taking part in a live-streamed tabletop event where uh, a select few of you would have the opportunity to play with our kobolds in a D and D game, because that 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 uh, sounds like sounds it would so be really, cool. really yeah. well. <laughs> Voice actors make the best D and D players. Um, yeah, yeah, they really do. I've never played D and D, but uh, <laughs> I've been warned of this. <laughs> if you want to, yeah, actually, that's going to be an exciting thing. Uh, we might be doing uh, a kind of a trial run for it because uh, Michael over here has never played a D and D. Never played a D and D game. I love D and D. Never. I, we I, I'm currently starting my first ever time. I was supposed to be there tonight. And I said, guys, we're going to have to hold it. I've got something I need to do. So we're starting next week. Well, I'm glad you chose us. But that's so exciting. I love to hear what people yeah. get into tabletop. It's such a fun thing, particularly like with the wait. pandemic going on and, and everything. Uh, Michael, yeah, I'm sure you'll yeah. have a fantastic time. We shall take your tabletop well, newbie yeah. hand and gently bring it into the world of dice. Ah, <laughs> yes. Well, guys, if... I think at some I think at some point what's going to end up happening is like when he can, when when everybody gets to the recording studio for us to like record things I'm probably going to end up giving Mike his first dice set. <laughs> oh nice. Oh, that sounds awesome. You. Awesome. When the world opens up again, but, I will yeah, definitely uh, get to over Twitter, the cons. Uh, I'm going to be and uh, we'll, we should all meet up and play some uh, D&D. I'd love to play with all you guys oh, in person sure. if we ever can. That would be yeah. basically fun. That'd be fun. I would love to. Amazing. But yeah, uh, follow, uh if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's uh, clutch kobolds with a z. Um, we also have, uh, we're also like building like a Facebook page and a couple of other things. But, uh, if you go to the Magus Elgar YouTube page, we'll be posting some content about clutch there okay. relatively soon. Once I get it all made, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, we actually have a preview of the show right now on Twitter for like a little, uh, for like our Kickstarter trailer that, uh, has all of our wonderful actors, uh, introducing themselves on this on this wonderful adventure through the world of Hearth. Lovely. Huzzah. I would love to have the characters say goodbye in their voices if you'd like to say thank you for listening to Grief Burrito. That would be very cool. This is Grief Burrito and you're listening to a Cobalt Story. Bye! <laughs> this has been Grief Burrito and you've been listening all about Clutch, a Cobalt Story. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye! 
Oh, uh, hello. Uh, this has been Grief Burrito. Thank you so much for listening. If you want book recommendations, I can be contacted. Uh, but have a great time and listen to Clutch Kobolds. Kennedy, Mike, Knives, Cordell, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been so much fun. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, all that crap people see on YouTube. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. And consider backing us on Kickstarter when we eventually release it for Clutch, a Cobalt story. Stay tuned, Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.